You're listening to RPG The Golden Years, part of the We Can Make This Work Probably network. Hello, my name's Bill. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm here in the UK doing UK things, not being eaten by giant people. And I'm Tyler in the US, also not being eaten by giant people. And we host The Coordinate, an Attack on Titan podcast, where we are... Uh, hold on a second, Tyler. Hold on. There's some weird noises going on outside the door. Let, let me just go check it out quickly. It's Twitter Troy Titan. Ah, ah, my leg. Ah, he's eating my leg. Ah, Bill. No. Oh, oh, it's gone. He's eating my bloody leg, Tyler. Troy's eating my leg. Oh. Uh, anyways, uh, we're a monthly podcast where we read an arc of the manga a month. Try to get Bill caught up. Uh, Bill, you want to tell them where they can find us? Oh, what? What? You want? What, what, what you want? Where can people listen to the podcast? <laughs> Uh, oh, I don't have a clue. Oh, he's gonna eat me! He's gonna eat me! Oh. Oh. Why are there so many cats in here? Oh, God, I hope he uh, can I get a new co-host? I am the bringer of life. I am the destroyer of the world. I reunite nations. I kill all who oppose me. I am a machine, but I feel pain. I am human. But I feel nothing. I'm death. I'm friendship. I'm mistrust. I'm forgiveness. I'm waiting. I'm longing. I am the heart. I am the soul. The harbinger of doom. The messenger of joy. Passion. Anger. Fate. Destiny. Friendship. Love. I am the RPG. I am the Golden Years! Hello, and welcome to the Golden Years Review of Final Fantasy VIII, Part 3, The Story Section. Woo! Hello and welcome to another episode of RPG The Golden Years, uh, or soon to be The After Years. 
<laughs> it's kind of the, the final episode of the golden years in some ways uh, in some ways yes but in some ways no <laughs> we'll kind of we'll always return uh retrospectively to review the game don't we rich yes we will I, I feel like it's you know at the core it's still the golden years but <laughs> but yes the, the weekly yeah it's kind of like the weekly show will be after years and then occasionally we'll pop back in with a review right mm-hmm. can't, can't wait to review yep can't wait to do a review of Alandra. Oh, I'm Scott, by the way. <laughs> we failed <Yeah>. horribly. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm Bill, by the way. <laughs> and I'm Rich. Hey. This is what happens when we don't script the intro. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we script intros. We're all so uh, <laughs> comfortable with each other now. It's like we don't even think about it. That's right. Good yes, times. exactly. <laughs> Um, so yes, like I said, this is a uh, Final Fantasy VIII review episode, and we're going to try and cover the uh, the story in as much depth as we possibly can. Um, so we're not really going to have any news segments today, but uh, we are going to go over just quickly the Twitter brackets that we've right. been doing recently because uh, we've got a huge chunk of it to get through. And if we don't do it now, next week we can have like twenty, like half <laughs> yeah. an hour episode dedicated <laughs> to it. We can still kind of speed through it here. Um, yep. So for those that don't know or haven't been listening, we've been running a game of the decade bracket on Twitter. Um, we are currently up to 20. Uh, actually, we're in round two of the bracket now as of today, this recording. But anyway, the 2017 poll, uh, the competitors were Destiny 3, Horizon Zero Dawn, Zelda Breath of the Wild, and Super Mario Odyssey. And Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild took it with 46.3% of the vote. Which, Corey would be a very happy boy. Yeah, he was. <laughs> uh, I think I've said before that that's his favorite video game. So, uh, you said Destiny. Yeah, <laughs> you said Destiny two or three. I mean, Destiny two got three point seven percent. Yes, I'm so excited. John Rich. I, I can't win shit. Um, I was kind of surprised though because up until the day of uh, Horizon was ahead. So, I think when we recorded last week's episode. Um, the 2017 poll had just gone live and, or, and so we had like even said on the episode, we can go ahead and uh, assume horizon, but we had a surprise upset. Yep. You, it's can't, sad, you, never, you can't hold a good link down. Yeah. Those two <laughs> games. It's unfortunate that they uh, both came out the same year because I think they are both competitors for game of the decade. Speaking of game of the decade, <laughs> 2018, <laughs> we had uh, Detroit become human, which had uh, 5.4% of the vote. Uh, God of War, the 2018 version, got 37.8% of the vote. Octopath Traveler got 29%, uh, 29.7% of the vote. And uh, Smash Bros. Ultimate got 27%. So uh, God of War uh, ran away with that one. Surprising no one, I don't think. No. no. I mean, we need to get our can. audience playing more Smash, though. Like, I'm not surprised God of War won, but I did think Smash might give it a little bit more of a run. 27 percent that's pretty good yeah the octopath traveler got nearly 30 percent and that isn't an rpg which is like the core of our audience i think maybe the first day smash got like three votes and then it kind of caught up (laughs) so i was a a bit salty at first (laughs) yeah yeah i ain't winning nothing speaking of mine so 2019 fire emblem three houses ran away with it with 41.7 percent it's crazy kingdom hearts three 27.1 27.1 Pokemon Shield 2.1 it's crazy 
and Resident Evil 2 <laughs> Remake, 29.2. Little surprised about Fire Emblem Three Houses. I think but, that we're starting to see our audience uh, slant here with that one. Um, yeah. I mean, Fire, Fire Emblem's a great game, but I mean, I really didn't see it being a competitor against the RE2 remake and even Kingdom Hearts. I don't know. I've seen a lot of chatter on various like um, RPG sites and stuff where people just love free houses. Yeah. I think that was gone down really, really well. I mean, I was kind of expecting Resident Evil 2 to take it, but um, I think that's just our host biased. Corey is pretty far into Fire Emblem Three Houses. I think he's almost done with his uh, first campaign, and nice. uh, he loves it. He's already saying it's a contender for like maybe his top five games. So, so what's the plan for round two then of the Twitter bracket, Scott? So round two started today. Um, so we decided there's ten uh, winners, one for each year, and so the only way to divide that evenly was either to do five rounds of two competitors or two rounds of three and one round of four. And that's what we just uh, decided to do. So the one that is in progress as of this recording, but will conclude by the time this episode airs, um, 2010 with Mass Effect 2, 2011 with Skyrim and 2012 with Diablo 3. And, and Skyrim's going to win that. <laughs> yeah. Last time I looked, Skyrim had 66.7% of the vote. Granted, it still has a long time to, uh to change but <laughs> i almost think we could go ahead and call that although i'm hesitant to say that now after <laughs> some of the upsets we've seen and then um so for the next match which should be live when this episode actually airs we're due it's the one that has four competitors 2013 with the last of us 2014 south park stick of truth Ooh. 2015 which are three and 2016 jackbox party pack three I swear yeah, I think, to God, that game better not win. <laughs> I think we all know Jackbox is going to win. We might just be <laughs> trolled by everybody and it I just takes quit. it away. <laughs> I will quit this show right now. You can't quit. I put too much work into this now. I know. <laughs> Sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> but yeah, so everybody get out there and vote and keep an eye out because the year, there's a new match every three days. Whoop. Yeah. Whoop. So... Uh, with that out of the way, before we launch into the review, I just wanted to talk about the state of the podcast again real quick. That's because, as we mentioned earlier, this is sort of the pseudo final episode of the Golden Years, our relaunch slash rebranding RPG, the After Years, or I should say the RPG After Years, uh, is launching next week. Next week's episode is the official first episode. Uh, we have new intros and outros and jingles and artwork uh, we just relaunched our patreon today which you can visit at patreon.com slash rpg after years um there's lots of new benefits some of the highlights i think um we're going to do at least one bonus episode every month um, so excited you can get access to um our setups we're going to be doing our best to stream the, our video recordings of the podcast live to Patreon. Um, Jay's going to do a bonus uh, episode at least once a month of him just talking about whatever anime he's watching. Hopefully, I'm so excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, Bill and Rich will be joining him uh, consistently. So you guys need to start watching anime. Like, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you guys know on discord which is going to be like the the enemy of the month yes so if you guys want to sort of uh yeah if you guys want to you know watch along you can 
Right. Um, speaking of Discord, there's you get access to a private Discord channel. Um, all the people in our in that channel have already they got to see our artwork and preview our intro and outro and give us suggestions as to how the show format should go. So uh, weeks ago, so that's a pretty good benefit, I think. Um, and then we'll also be doing review episodes of non-RPG video games. So like I'm planning on doing a Spider-Man episode and a Luigi's Mansion 3 episode. With we'll do Resident Evil 3. Yeah, whenever that comes out. Well, we know when it's coming out. But <laughs> So there's <laughs> lots more. Alondra. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, if you want to go super high tier, you can force um, me and Jay to join in on the Golden Years game that's going on. Um, so yeah, there's lots to be had. We'll do a sort of a bonus episode later this week covering what's available on the Patreon in more detail. But yeah, I'm excited. The After Years is well on its way to becoming a reality. Yeah, definitely. And just a quick note on uh, Anime Corner, because uh, I believe the first one is going to be Seven Deadly Sins, which is available on Netflix. Oh, I didn't know that. I've heard it's good. I've heard, yeah, I've watched the first episode. I really liked it. So I'm, I'm interested to see more about it. Originally, when we were talking about the new show format, we thought about making that a segment, but <laughs> it's just tangential enough to RPGs to where we figured we'd just make it a bonus. Woohoo. <laughs> okay, guys, should we get into this? Let's do it. Let's do it. So this, guys, finally we're here. We finally get to talk about the plot of Final Fantasy VIII. Best uh, for last. There's a plot? Think, yeah, it starts in disc three. Uh, <laughs> makes sense. So picture this. Ignore all the game, then suddenly two gardens are fighting each other. No, no. <laughs> so, um, admittedly, if we go right back to the very beginning of the opening of this game, we are treated to possibly one of the most gorgeous opening sequences I've ever seen in the video game. I yeah. Think, um, it's yeah, iconic. I think all, yeah, it's iconic. I think we can all admit the first time you see that, like the, the waves washing against the, the shore, and you hear the... It's just yeah. like, oh my God, like, you know, hairs start standing up on your arms. I think even if you aren't a big Final Fantasy fan, there's a good chance that you might, if you're a gamer in general, you might know what that song is from or recognize that scene. 
yeah, uh, Libra, uh, was it Libra Fatale? Liberi Fatale. And it's, uh, yeah, I've seen things where like um, American school bands play it in the half, half-time shows. Yeah, I remember uh, reading I think... an article a long time ago that uh, there was like an Olympic synchronized swimming team that did their routine to that song. Yeah, I was literally yeah. about to say that. <laughs> I think I think they got a bronze medal as well. Nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just absolutely iconic. And I remember for the time as well, just the um, the graphics just being mind-blowing. Like that sequence was just insane. Yeah. And yeah, you were basically treated to this nice fight between two guys who we don't really know who they are. And um, they're sort to of say, though, other than the fight between Squall and Cypher, the, it's mostly nonsense what's happening on screen. That's <laughs> <laughs> for the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> setting up <laughs> expectations. <laughs> yeah, uh, they kind of just splice in lots of little bits from various cutscenes throughout the rest of the game, which is why it sort of doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, the main part of the open bit is the fight between these two guys. So you get uh, Squall and Cypher. Uh, so one's wearing white, one's wearing black. And usually our protagonist is the guy in black. <laughs> and they're fi- fighting out two big swords, clash, clash, clash. One of them throws a fireball at the other one, knocks him to the floor, slices him down the face and makes a big cut across his eye. And so the other guy gets really pissed off, comes up, slashes from the bottom. Gives him, the exact, <laughs> yeah, gives him an exact same scar going the opposite way on his face. And then we basically open into the game where school wakes up in the infirmary. <laughs> oh, so, oh, there's just so much to talk about here. <laughs> it's kind of it's interesting because that opening sets expectations so high, but then after that scene, I would say Final Fantasy VIII has one of the slowest video game, or at least Final Fantasy intros, as far as like oh. how exciting things are that's happening. Yeah, you said it, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah you basically you wake up and your character's in an infirmary because he's obviously had a big cut across his eye and he's got this bandage around his head and then it's all just very very slow you have to walk around a school you have to go to your classroom where your teacher tells you you're late your teacher's like the hottest person on the planet as well yes <laughs> one of the hottest final um, fantasy uh chicks out there yeah Definitely. I think uh, only What's Jill this? from Final Fantasy 13 is going to beat you on that one. Yeah, they're def- <laughs> that glasses, <laughs> that, that trope, man, it gets me. I know, glasses and the small necktie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy how slow it is at this point. It's just, yeah. But, if, um, uh, God forbid that you agree to take selfie on the tour of the school and there's a 20-minute scene. <laughs> Hell no, oh, I skipped all that. <laughs> yeah, I, I always skip that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think the only thing to note is that right here at the very beginning as well, uh, so moments just before school wakes up, some girl walks past, bends over, looks through the window and goes, oh, hello, and then walks off again. Do we <laughs> let her she find out becomes, is alone. Yes, um, but we won't find out who she is for at least two discs. I think yeah. it's kind of funny because alone is so important to the plot. And yet, like, nobody ever talks about her or thinks about her. And that's probably a failing of the game storytelling. But Yes, definitely. Because she's so integral, but we don't learn who she is properly until right at the end of the game. And, yeah, it's just nuts. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, basically, um, your, your hot teacher comes and picks you up. She gives you a quick, she gives you a quick tour. And then, like Scott says, yeah. another, woman, another girl comes past <laughs> who asks you for a tour. <laughs> Everyone wants to have a tour of you. 
Can we talk about how creepy Quistus is in these these early parts of the game? Don't yeah. care. Yeah, because she she's clearly interested in school. Yeah, and it's like her student. And Quistus is is she younger than school? Or is she older? They're the same age. She's one year older than him, I think. Yeah, I think she's yeah, I think she's just slightly older than him. Yeah. But yeah, it so it's really not that cool. inappropriate, but still, it's like my teacher is hitting on me. <laughs> yeah. Also, my Lucky. teacher's eight. My teacher's eighteen, so I'm okay with this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we we can all say that if we were Squall's age, we would uh, enjoy the attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh Especially yeah, because you, you went you went here last week. Where was, was you rich? Did you no, know? No, I wasn't. <laughs> so you missed the bit I dropped in about Squall being um, seventeen years old. I knew yeah. he was. I knew he was kind of young. Yeah, I know, but yeah, 17. And he's only five foot eight as well. <laughs> I'm taller than he is. <laughs> he's still guy. taller than me. Um, Squall um, is super aloof. Uh, he kind of doesn't like want to have anything to do with anybody. He just wants to get his job done and move on. Um, he's yeah. a loner. Yeah, they basically set the character up for school as being a huge introvert. Uh, right. One of the one of the unique things to Final Fantasy VIII, which uh, Tetsuya and Nomura introduced to it, was the kind of the text bubbles where you would read what school was thinking. This is getting ahead of us a little bit, maybe, but um, in my opinion, Squall is one of the uh, best written characters in Final Fantasy, and I think it's because you see so much of his inner monologue. You really feel like you get to figure out like what makes him tick i guess that's just my opinion but i reckon i reckon in the japanese version maybe <laughs> because um you know like because uh, school's very famous and you see the memes everywhere of the word whatever yeah <laughs> so a lot of the time when people are talking to school he'll get one of these inner monologue boxes to pop up and it'll just say whatever dot 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 <laughs> and that happens a few times at this beginning bit of Quistis as well where she's just talking to him about, you know, no, oh, you're like this school. This is your personality. And he's just like, whatever. <laughs> um, but and in the Japanese version, yeah, exactly. In the in the Japanese version, though, he never actually says whatever. Is it always a different line, or is, does he have a different catchphrase? No, it's always something different. Hmm. It's but it's always relevant. Interesting. He's just like it's like he would be like there was a conversation between him and Renoa, and he's just like, why is she looking at me like that? <laughs> or like he's talking to selfies like why do i care <laughs> it'd be interesting to have like an interview with the uh translator and see like what made him go with that choice hmm. probably because he didn't know how to do the other stuff he couldn't translate <laughs> it uh, this or, means whatever yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I did <laughs> pretty much <laughs> probably run out of text space <laughs> could be but yeah, it was in, it was in, um, I found an article on that where they um, they went through and found every single whatever line, compared it to the Japanese version, and gave like what the Japanese version is actually saying. And yeah, it's it's really strange. He never actually says whatever, and he seems like such more of an endearing character when you when you read the Japanese versions of what he's actually saying. This guy are sick. This guy are sick. Um, but yeah, basically, what you find out at the beginning of the game is that uh, you are um, a student in this garden called Balam Garden, which has uh, wonderful music and is a beautiful, beautiful place filled with water. I mean, like, can you imagine what their water bill is like, guys? Balam Garden is awesome. Yeah, the design of it, both the interior and exterior. I would, yeah, if it wasn't a military academy, I would love to go (laughs) attend school there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Especially if if Quistis was my teacher. Of course. (laughs) Although I am far too old for her now. (laughs) 
<laughs> but not back in 1999. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, she was a good age for me. <laughs> um, is, I think I mentioned this, but it is so weird that all these like typical RPG characters and even characters from games that we played so long ago are now so much younger than us. <laughs> I know. I think but, it makes know, them a little harder to connect to now. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, technically, Quisted is my age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you find out. Yeah. So you're. You're a student in this garden and you, uh, you're supposed to be going out on a field exam soon. But first of all, you have to pass a prerequisite exam. So Quistis basically sends you off to fight a huge uh, fire god. <laughs> it ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. No, no. So, yeah, so your first job is to go to the fire cavern, which uh, just so happens to be right outside the garden. And you have to go inside and you have to fight a, a huge beast called Ifrit. Once you've beaten and destroyed if written you can go back to the garden but if you play like and, bill and i you've played 13 hours of the card game before you go there <laughs> yes exactly so you're completely overpowered <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's, um, it's that's canon because it definitely can <laughs> but it's interesting though because like, I, I do i do often wonder like you know how many ifrits are there or is there just one ifrit and he's like seeded in everyone's heads probably that Maybe is a good why... point. How does that work? <laughs> I know it's so confusing. Like, is like, I assume it's kind of like there's like a seed. I'm, I'm, I wonder if that's why they're called seeds. You know, because uh, Balam Garden is the only um, organization on this planet that uses guardian forces, which is what they call these mystical beasts. Right. I do know, we, wonder... we discussed this all in the previous <laughs> episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what you end up with like 20 plus gfs by the end i guess it only makes sense that there must be other people that there must be other versions of the same gfs yeah but i don't know i mean how many ifrits would there be like imagine how many students there are who have passed the prerequisite exam and gone out and uh kicked the crap out of ifrit and also how how bad must ifrit like his must he's like um what do you call it he's his his mental state. Be. Oh, <laughs> he's just sitting there chilling out at home, and every time, every now and then, some kid turns up and beats the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, there's tons of seeds, so and he's just like, "I will destroy you." No, you've been playing cards. <laughs> By the way, side note: up until like a few years ago, or when I was a kid, I used to always pronounce it CD because the D is capitalized. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. you I mean, know. obviously that's wrong, see? but. Why is the D capitalized? Uh, I think Nomura just thought it was cool. Classic Nomura. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I actually read that somewhere. Someone asked him, why is the D capital? He was like, no, it seemed, it seemed cool. That doesn't surprise me at all. The real answer is because why not give the D? Oh, uh, oh. Uh, see what got you did dirty. There. See what you did there. Um, so... So yeah, that, 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 that's basically your opening to the game. You know, you get uh, 20 minutes of uh, tutorials <laughs> about how to junction seeds. Um, and then you go out and you beat your crap out of a huge fire god.
Yes. So um, that leads into the seed field exam. So basically after Squall has passed his uh, preliminary whatever uh, exam of defeating Ifrit, they send the cadets for seed out on an actual mission. So the seeds in Bellum Garden are kind of like a military contractor where they get paid by other forces and entities to basically be a mercenary force for them. Um, so the field exam for Squall and the others is they send them on a boat to the town of Dalit. Dalay? How do you guys say it? Uh, Dalit. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, but how ethical is this? Like, I think if I joined the army in the UK and uh, in order to pass the final exam, like they sent me out to Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, you go out to Afghanistan, kill a few of these people. <laughs> and when you come back, you can officially be in the army. It's like, what? Garden is basically Blackwater is what I'm getting out of all this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go to Dalit, which is under attack by the Galbadian army which is basically the antagonist force of this game. They're always the bad guys in most of the situations. Um, but basically, Galbadia is attacking this town because they want to get access to the radio communication tower, which has been uh, shut down for years. And if you go into your config menu and read about it, <laughs> you'll know that uh, basically there hasn't been any kind of broadcast broadcast waves going on um, in the world for years, ever since uh, the war between Esthar and Galbadia a long time ago. Um, so Galbadia is... Go ahead. They don't tell you why. <laughs> yeah. They don't tell you why. You find out <laughs> way later, uh, but when it doesn't really matter anymore, but... <laughs> Um, basically Galbadia wants to get this tower back online so they can do a radio broadcast or a TV broadcast, which comes into play a little later. Um, Squall gets dispatched with Cypher, who is his rival and Zell, who is like this martial arts hyperactive dude. Yep. Hot dog eating martial arts. Yep. He's got a Mike Tyson face tattoo. Um, so the three of them, <laughs> Go ahead. I'd say more of the hangover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is more like that, yeah. He had a rough night in Vegas. <laughs> um, so they, they're in Dalit. They are running through town. They're told not to proceed, just to secure the town and not to proceed past that. Of course, Cypher is a, an idiot and a total dickhead, and he's the commander of the squad. So he suggests that they go on and try to like chase Galbadia even farther out of town and see what they're up to, basically. Um, I feel like he was right, though. <laughs> you do? Yeah. He disobeyed a direct order. He did, but he also got the job done. Did he? Because I think the radio tower still got activated. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, yeah, but they wouldn't have even known about it. Hmm. He got vital intel. I guess you could say that. But anyway, so they go up to the top of the mountain. Uh, Cypher and Squall have some banter. By the way, guys, I really hate Cyphers. So I'm going to be bashing on him for most of this review. <laughs> I'm, I'm not his biggest fan either. I know some people love him, but uh, he's not for me. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and it's not even because he's like the, the bully antagonist character. I just really think that they dropped the ball with his whole story and they act like at the end, like he's been redeemed. And I'm like, eh, not really. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. You should be in prison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go to the top of the tower. It gets activated. Um, a girl that Squall met earlier in the game, Selfie, tracks them down. And she joins the team because she's supposed to deliver a message that they're to all retreat now. Um, <laughs> but you have to spend 20 minutes trying to find Cypher first to tell him. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you meet these two soldiers who are like officers in the Galvadian army, Biggs and Wedge. Biggs and Wedge. They're basically like a comedy relief duo. You meet up with them a few more times throughout the game. Um, and so they all retreat. They get out of the of Dalit, and I guess you could call it a mission success. And that's yeah, it for much. that little segment. It's a really cool part of the game. It's got like um, some banging music. Um, it feels a little really epic. Like I kind of feel like the game should have started with this. Yes, this would have been much better than going on the seed exam. Yeah, with the giant <laughs> well, spider. Yeah, you get the giant spider. You get all these FMVs that are like spliced into the game as well. So like you're actually managing to run through an FMV as it's happening. And like, again, back in 1999, that was mind-blowing. Twist has <laughs> like, had this bad moment of badassery where she uh, gaddles down the, the spider robot. Because this was uh, this this whole section as well was famously on the demo that they put out for Final yes, Fantasy VIII. I had it. Yep. So, oh, so you got, um, was it Brave Fencer Mushi? Actually, I think the version I had was on a Pizza Hut promotional demo disc. Yes, I was going to say Pizza Hut also gave it away <laughs> in the Pizza states. Hut. I played it many times. Yeah, and I got it with um, I got it with a PlayStation Magazine UK, and I also got a copy of it with um, I bought uh, I rebought Final Fantasy VII Platinum because uh, my friend had managed to scratch one of my discs. Nice <laughs> Final Fantasy VII. So when I bought the Platinum version of that, I had that came with a demo disc of Final Fantasy VIII as well. The interesting thing about it was um, you had Squall, Zell, and Renoa as your party. And yes. you haven't even met Renoa yet in the final game at this point. And, the, and it had different music as well. Um, but uh, this was never actually confirmed by Square, but basically the, the music they had in the demo sounded exactly like, um, like the dramatic music they were using in the film The Rock with Nicolas Cage. I've heard about that, yeah. Yeah, and it's like if you hear them side by side, they sound exactly the same. Oops. <laughs> uh, and that was, I think, that was copyrighted by Hans Zimmer. So there's no, there was, there's no, there's never been an official like they were told to cease and desist or anything, but that was ripped out and completely changed for something else. What you're saying is uh, Nobu Uematsu is a hack. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's definitely a fan of Hans Zimmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but and the final bit as well, like I say, you get the badass bit with Quistis on the gun. In the demo, that was a um, just a normal soldier. Oh, yeah, that's true. So they that. fully animated an FMV with the soldier on it. And as a final note, if you beat the giant spider on the way down, you don't get any of that cutscene at the end. Yeah, it's kind of almost motivation to not do it, although you get a ton <laughs> of uh, seed points if you do. <laughs> yeah, you get a ton of seed points. Um, and a ton of AP, right? And a, ton of AP, yeah. Yeah. and a ton of AP and you can also I think you can go slight if you go slightly back up the mountain a new one will come after you 
Oh yeah, that's <laughs> so, true. So you can farm it <laughs> if you're strong <laughs> enough. Um, but yeah, it's really it's really strange that you suddenly just get down to the bottom and you just literally get onto the boat and it goes off. You're like, oh. <laughs> no, no scene with Quistis on the back of a gun going ah! yeah it's really lame die spider die and throughout this whole part depending on the actions you take it affects uh, your the rank you start out with which also affects your salary when you become a seed shortly mm. and that's a, that's a good part of the game actually which we didn't mention in the uh, the gameplay Scott uh, we already went long enough on the gameplay <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's just, yeah, I just thought that's uh, just an interesting little tidbit there because every sort of, yeah, every sort of five minutes or something when you're playing the game, you suddenly just get paid. Which is <laughs> depending nice. On higher, yeah, depending on how high your seed rank, uh, you get paid, you know, more money. So I think around rank 10, you get like 10,000 gil. But it just, yeah, money's never a problem in this game. It's just Always. throwing it at you. Yeah, I always took <laughs> as many of those written tests as I could immediately. <laughs> oh, Scott. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, and then, like I said, that brings a, an end to the field exam. And uh, then we get ignored, inaugurated. Yes, we do. It's just waiting patiently for my turn. <laughs> uh, so, the inauguration basically, the, they get back from uh, Dolet, you know, finishing that mission out. They are told to disperse, uh, wait for it. Uh, they go back up to the the classroom, and Cypher's there waiting. Actually, they're not Cypher. I'm sorry. Uh, they go back to the room to change. It's time for the ballroom, right? If I remember correctly. Uh, well, no. First, you get the scene with um, in the headmaster's office. I think that's right. He says whether you know whether you've passed or not. Correct. Uh, so and everybody's actually, no, reported. Yeah, no, actually, you're all standing outside the classroom. They call out certain people's names. They yes. come see headmaster, and he goes, yeah, you've all passed. Yeah, the people <laughs> with the weird face, like the weird clothing. Um, they call your names out. You go up to see headmaster Sid. Um, you get the scene where uh, Zell, Selfie, and uh, yourself, and then some just random guy. Nida. Yep. Yeah. Nida. So what's really funny about this part is, like, he goes Rich, through. Don't play down Nida's role in the game. <laughs> so he's just the steering guy uh nida is there along with the other three main characters and sid goes through and starts talking to each of them it's like i'm really looking forward to this part of uh the festival he talks to selfie um he tells zell if I remember right that you know to keep a cool head uh don't worry he's, he's a great student um he gets to squall and tells him finally we have a gun blade uh, master here with us and he gets to nida and says you just basically encourage don't worry you're you'll have an important part don't try to worry. stand out a little bit more or yeah, something. Try to stand out. it's just just <laughs> defeat that guy poorly just like <laughs> don't really matter but just stand here it's okay but notably <laughs> cypher does yeah. not get promoted correct yes. so what happens is that after that they all go downstairs to the classroom um, in the hallway, and they all walk through there. The students are all there. Cypher kind of does his little walk towards them, claps slowly. He does the golf clap. Um, everybody then starts clapping, and he congratulates them and walks off. And then it's one time. of his better moments. Yeah, one of his better moments. He did. He he realized that you know, like yes, these were uh, good good candidates to win to graduate. You know, he's a little pissed off that he didn't make it, but whatever. Uh, it's Cypher, who cares about that Which guy. they didn't promote him because he went against orders. Correct. If I had a direct order. He did yeah. everything wrong, basically. Yeah, yeah he shouldn't <laughs> have done that. So at the end of the night, there is a ball. And uh, our Another lovely, famous scene. 
lovely squall and you get to see the, the garden celebrate all the new seed graduates. The best looking guy I here. Assume, correct. I assume there's probably more graduates out there, but we just only saw the four. So um, everybody's dancing. Squall's, you know, doing his sulking, kind of brooding off to the corner. And he sees a girl across the way. <laughs> I don't think he sees be... I think she sees uh, him. She sees well, no, him. <laughs> no, I don't think so. There's the She's shooting like, star that makes yeah, them the sh- connect eyes. Yeah. And that's how they notice each other. Yeah, she points up and looks at him and then walks over to him. And you see his busted up face. <laughs> the most iconic scene everywhere. Uh, you're one of the better looking people here. Busted up face. Um, I want your seed. Yeah, I want your seed, baby. What? Um, <laughs> so they go dancing and you get to see a very nice scene of the ballroom dancing. Everybody's dancing. And she says like, oh, you, you dance really well. And um, he, his stupid remark is, well, I'm a seed. We're trained to blend in. So I have to know how to dance. Yeah, despite that, he couldn't dance for the first like two minutes. Yeah, I used to be really confused about this when I was a kid because I was like, well, he really learned how to dance super quick. But I, I think in retrospect, is he already knew how to dance and he just didn't want to. So that's why he was being yeah. shit at first. Yeah, he's, he's being dumb. So I'm after that was done, <laughs> yeah, after that was done, he goes out on the balcony, gets some air, and uh, Quistus comes up to him and says, hey, there's one more, you know, starts talking to him and he doesn't really want to talk. Uh, she orders him as his teacher to go meet him, meet her in the secret spot in the training center. Where everyone goes to make out. You'll come in with me to make out point, boy. Yeah, I'm going to throw it out there. I bet you the squall was like, you know, being all brooding and stuff, but inside his body, you know, he's just like, oh my God. I don't know. But he clearly isn't though. Yeah. Considering how this plays out, he definitely isn't doing that rich. No. No, normal normal people would be like, oh my yeah. God, I'm, I'm going to score. This is like my fantasy. Thank God. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a student, so this is perfectly fine. So they actually go to the training center. She meets him. Hang on uh, real, real quick, Rich. Um, I just wanted to mention that the ballroom dance scene, um, they re- actually remade that as a tech demo for the PS2 before the PS2 was out. They so, did? Um, yeah. yeah, it's really good. If you I guys want to see... A slightly better looking version of that scene. Just look it up. You could probably find it just like FF8 PS2 tech demo. It's funny though, isn't it? Because when they did the tech demo for Final Fantasy VII, they did the they redid the opening scene, didn't they? Yep. Yeah, and people um, lost I, their freaking mind. Yeah, people lost their mind, and that's why we're now getting a remake. But they did a tech demo for Final Fantasy VIII. Nobody knows it exists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know it exists. <laughs> All right, so back to it. So you get there uh, to the train center, and then you get a little more tutorial around the junction system from Quistus about how to do elemental and status attacks basically on your weapon. So you do all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Then she, then she offers you a tutorial around her breasts. Yeah, totally. Just displays them for you. Um, so you make it all the way to the end. You go to the, the secret makeout spot. And this is where Quistus, you know, just confesses that she's not a good teacher. She doesn't feel like, you know, she wants to do anything with that anymore. And she just takes a step down and becomes just a seed member, um, another mercenary, I guess. She probably got hit with sexual harassment, honestly. I probably, I don't doubt that. But <laughs> Quistis, the you good kind. stop sleeping with your students. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's there. Because she tells us a lot, of, uh, a lot of interesting information about how she was like, she was only a teacher for a year. Yeah. And she's like, she was one of the youngest like she was one of the youngest seeds, and then she was one of the youngest people to pass the teaching exams. Yeah, but she didn't like well. it though. 
but yeah she just doesn't think she's doing a very good job so she wants to sort of take a step back based on how um, she handles the next mission she's assigned to i'm thinking maybe uh the headmaster uh, made a wise choice <laughs> well did, she yeah, make exactly. that, did he make that choice or did she because i wonder if she did that no no uh scott's talking about the um the assassination where she suddenly decides oh. to uh to abandon her post yeah bad idea uh, at the we'll worst possible moment we'll get there oh so, we also get the uh the famous line here about uh go talk to a wall <laughs> yes that's what i was about to say that as well she's she's basically she's basically just begging squall just to listen because she needs a friend and he just goes whatever <laughs> talk to a wall <laughs> get translated correctly to say whatever that's probably the yeah. harshest squall is the whole game like it yeah. that's like and the only time i actually felt like he was being like actively uh a dick a cop yeah he was, he was a complete cock to her she's <laughs> just like i just want someone to talk to i just need a friendly face to lend an ear and he just says go talk to a wall it is <laughs> hilarious then, though and then walks off yep so it then you fun. just take off and uh as you're walking through the training center training center to uh leave you hear a scream and some girl yeah, yep totally there's some the girl baby. being attacked yeah <laughs> sound like that too uh, there was a girl being attacked uh with some kids um then all of a sudden she passes out i think and squall and quistus show up to to save the day and they defeat the weird dragon looking thing it looks like a bug um and two unknown people jump out of nowhere like ninjas in pajamas and they uh, save her <laughs> or do they, they escort her away and they're like okay whatever so then Quistus and uh, Squall leave and go to bed not together <laughs> not, not, not together <laughs> everyone else everyone else would have tried to <laughs> So after that, you get woken up by a PA system that, uh, or no, yeah, PA system. Zell lets you know that we have a mission. So they're told <laughs> to meet out front for a secret mission. So they leave, they go to the front of the thing, and uh, they're met by the headmaster, headmaster Sid, and the weird dude with the hat. That uh, whatever, love those guys. yeah, those guys look freaky as hell. The garden the faculty, um, yeah, they the garden faculty. faculty. <laughs> and they go over the mission parameters. They have a letter. 
Um, they're, they're given a magical lamp, which contains a GF called Diablos. Um, you guys all like that guy right off the bat? Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I first tempted a game I didn't because he was too hard for me, but I do know. leveled. <laughs> Probably. Um, so you go through that, and then you meet up in, I can't forget what the town's called. What's, Timber. What's the town? Timber. Oh, you go to Balam to take the train to Timber. Balam yeah. to the Timber. You ride the train underneath the water. It's kind of a weird engineering, but whatever. Um, um, hang on. <laughs> that's not weird. Because, <laughs> eh. uh, uh, well, you know, I, I live in England where we have a train that goes under the water to France. Yeah, but it's France. <laughs> yeah, it's a long way away. <laughs> Only the British. <laughs> yeah. So anyways. Uh, no, Hong Kong will got one as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do too. Anyway. Uh, so you go through that. You go to Timber. You meet a um, meet somebody at the train, and they ask you for a secret password or secret phrase or something. No, he says something to you in code, and you're supposed to respond back to him. And I forget. something to do with owls. Something about owls in the wood and George Bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have to answer that correctly, and they meet you. Like, good, come with me. We meet to the train, and you meet these other resistance fighters. Because yes, apparently there's a big war going on. Whatever. It's like uh, a ragtag band resistance group in Timber, which is yeah. Timber is a city that's been occupied by Galbadia. Correct. So their mission is to assist the timber resistance, resistance. until <laughs> they, they gain um, freedom, which is in the note from the headmaster. So, which is, that's stupid, but whatever. Well, it's Robin Williams, isn't it? So. Yeah, it's Robin Williams. <laughs> did, we just, did we just also pass over a, a, a dream sequence? Oh, yeah, we did. Um, yes. Yeah, so on the train, they have a dream sequence, and you meet Laguna. Yeah, it's, it's really strange. Just su- suddenly your party just pass out. Yeah, you and pass suddenly out. you're playing as Laguna. Yeah, and Ward and uh, Heroes Cross. And you just you're basically in a war, and you're just witnessing what's happening. Um, you know, no idea what's going on. You see them, and Magic Fairies is what the Laguna calls them. People are talking to them, but that's it. So that's that part. Then they <laughs> go to the train. They wake up. They're in timber, like we just talked about. It's kind of a weird thing because Squall, Selfie, and Zill all had like the exact same dream and yeah. in detail. So it's like some kind of mystery thing. Like, why did they pass out? What's the connection? It's like one of the game's big mysteries that doesn't get solved until the very end. Like, what the hell yeah. is going on with the Laguna shit? Yeah, yeah Squall's just basically like, we'll we'll talk to Headmaster about that later. <laughs> Whatever. <Yeah>. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so they get through all that. They meet uh, their next. They meet the princess, is what the two ragtag team calls her, is princess, which is Renoa. Renoa, ooh, it's the girl from the party. Yeah, it's the girl from the party. So, You're like, holy crap, <laughs> I know you. Yeah, so she's all excited. Uh, so yeah, apparently she was uh, feeling up Sid <laughs> yep. and got him to uh, donate some seeds to her. Nah, giggity. <laughs> giggity. So <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. this, this, this game is just one huge innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> you also find out that she was like uh, a couple with Cypher at one point. Yeah, it's how she that's, knew to go to the garden. That's a weird yeah. thing. We'll talk about that. It's just weird. I think it's yeah. just um, poorly translated. Yeah. <laughs> but she was she was apparently in a relationship with Cypher for like a year. Yeah, it's a bit like the, it's a bit like the plot of Greece. They had a summer together. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and it ends so, with uh, Cypher doing the thing into the air with his hand, going. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> So you get Sorry. through that, you meet up uh, Renoa that takes you back to the, the rest of the team. The team 
then explains oh. to the seed members about the oh, trains. No, this your is mission. Fucking we'll explain train. this one. I'll let Bill talk about the train piece here. So oh. your mission is to just your is a decoy train system that you're supposed to unhook one car, hook up another car, unhook the other car, just to trap the president of Galbania. Oh god, it's a twenty minute tutorial on the train section. And the train right. section takes five minutes. Yeah, it's a pain. And stuff it, stuff in the tutorial was automatic. Basically. <laughs> it just happens. You can't control it. For fuck's sake. This is possibly one of the most infuriating mini-games ever. And also it's one of the most convoluted ideas to try and kidnap someone. It works, like, sort of. I know, but how much money has Renoa got to spend on making a train that looks exactly like the president's carts either side of it? Yeah, but they did make oh. comments that it said it looked like it looked crappy. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the, the soldier walks in and goes, hey, this place looks a bit crappier than it did five minutes ago. Yeah. They didn't notice it. They like, whatever. Which is funny, but it's just like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, this, this whole thing is just like, it feels like, like a Nomura wet dream. He just, I mean, he just dreamt this whole thing and then was just like, yeah, I'll just put it in there. It's pretty awful. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. It's but at least it's million. not hard. There is that. Yeah. Can you imagine if it was that, all that, and then the game was actually difficult? I think, yeah, the tutorial thing makes it seem like it's going to be so difficult. But then the worst bit is as well, when you're actually doing it, Renault is standing there explaining it to you again. Just go, hey, just go over there and press X circle square. <laughs> it's just like, yell yeah. going, Shut up. And if you get it wrong as well, it gives you more time to do it. So like you start off with like a four minute timer, which goes down, 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 you get it wrong, and suddenly you've got a six minute timer. It's just like it's impossible to foul. Why give me a tutorial? <laughs> on something Who which, knows. you know, if I get it right first time, I'm gonna do slightly better on my seed ranking. <laughs> but I already killed that giant spider, so I'm getting a thousand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just infuriating. And the whole there, there, the whole Bill. point. Yeah, the whole point is, is that you're supposed to be doing this like weird train switch to steal the middle car of a train, which has the president of Galbadia, so you can hold him hostage um, in order to get timber released from Galbadia control. Yep. But then what you he's find also, out, though, he's a, he's a decoy. Yeah. It's never going to work, though, is it? I mean, could you imagine if someone kidnapped Trump and said, all right, now, now leave Iraq alone? Yeah, that's not, that's <laughs> do you, not how it works. Do you, do you think I America would be like, oh, would. yeah, sure. <laughs> Bill, the people might be listening. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> my my plot. Yeah. Trump and Holy crap. Trump and little little Boris Trump. <laughs> so, anyways, you get past all that, and uh, you fail the mission because it's a decoy. So, what happens now is yeah, it turns out the, it turns out the president was actually a gigantic monster. You have to kill. Yeah, it's weird. And you could kill it with one. You can one shot it with the phoenix down. Rich, uh, I was one showing everything. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever.
So <laughs> your team gets together after all that hard work they just did. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Well, Renoa and the two unknown guys, the whatever supporting characters, uh, are huddled over in the corner. And Squall walks over and says, hey, let me see your paper, by the way. Let me, let me have that. And he reads it, and they discover that they're supposed to help Renoa until they gain freedom, which sucks yeah. for them. Until Timber is free from Gov agent control. So basically, they're there forever. And School's really pissed off because these, uh, these resistant fighters are obviously completely incompetent yep. with their crazy train plans. <laughs> Thanks, sucks. Sid. But the thing is, though, now they're wanted. Thanks, Robin Williams. Get yeah. back in your lab. <laughs> so now they're wanted because they did that. Now, like, the Galbian forces are, are looking for them and trying to find them where they're at. So... Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. That, that's not what happened yet. They get back to town. They're waiting. And uh, they go to a bar. They're just kind of walking through that. All of a sudden, TV clicks on as they're walking behind the bar. Who shows up? Quistus. Yes. Really, so, Bill, you're up. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, this is, this is really strange because, obviously, if you, like Scott, have gone into the information menu in the game, <laughs> you know that uh, TV. You know, no TV has been broadcasted for like 20 years or whatever it's been. And then suddenly there's this huge TV. Like, who left that TV on? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, you'd have think, okay, nothing's been on for a year. There's only static on the screen. Um, <laughs> apparently, the, that is actually text, though, on the screen. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it, it's supposed to be a little Easter egg uh, of what Adele's thoughts are from space. Yes. Uh, you know that, I think he had to step away for a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so there's all this. This so it looks like static, but it's actually text. It's all like the thoughts of Adele from space. But you know, Which at the moment you don't you know find who out Adele later is. that they're keeping an evil sorceress named Adele in space, and her imprisonment <laughs> container thing is uh, what causes the radio interference on the planet. Did Did you just hear how ridiculous what you just said was? <laughs> hey, I'm I'm fully here for the ride at this point. We're we're trying we're, we're trying to get independence for a small town that's being controlled by another nation, but actually there's a huge evil sorceress who's being kept captive in space, which is the reason why no radio signals can get out. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's just utter utter bonkers. What does the text say? It's something like "I will return soon" or <laughs> "I'm gonna get you." Yeah, it's it's like really. Uh, it's really uh, ominous if you know like about that plot point. Like she, this woman is so evil that <laughs> she's broadcasting these like ominous thoughts down to the earth. <laughs> yeah, she's like, God, when I get out of here, I'm gonna fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yes. So the TV suddenly clicks on, and it, this is a huge TV. This is like jumbotron across the town. And then Quistis is there. And she's like, Squall, Squall, where are you? Get to the TV station quick. And um, yeah. Uh, She's there with Cypher. Cypher's apparently run off well, from the garden. The whole point uh, of getting the broadcast back online was that so the president of Galvedia could announce that he was getting Sorceress Adea as his ambassador. Yes. And actually, this is the first time in the game anyone's ever mentioned a Sorceress. Right. <laughs> uh, which, again, it's just, it would be so nice if just in the earlier parts, which are really slow, like when Quistis is just going on about the junction system, and her breasts. Like, if only she had just said. <laughs> by the way, this is this well was inhabited by people who were sorceresses. Well, it's supposed to be <laughs> extreme magic power. 
Yeah. It's supposed to be a power move because there hasn't been any sorceresses seen in a long time. But the last time there was a sorceress, which was Adele, she like ruled, she tried to conquer the planet, basically. Like sorceresses are traditionally known as evil. Yeah. Now I like the singer Adele, but I don't want her conquering the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I guess not. Like a jackass. (laughs) Um, So yes. So basically Cypher who um, upset, first of all, not becoming a seed, and then being, second of all, upset for not being sent on the uh, on this mission to help Renoa, who's his girlfriend. <laughs> right. Or, or pseudo-girlfriend, or whatever she's supposed to be to him. He uh, left he, because he assumed that Squall and the others would just fuck it up. Am I remembering that right, or did he have a different reason? I think that's right. So he, yeah, so he decided to go in there, and he went to the TV station with the intent of kidnapping the president. And so Quist, yeah, like a jackass. So Quistis is the one who sort of says, yep. <laughs> She's just shouting at the TV screen. Around, Squall, Cypher, Zell, get in now. Help me out. Right. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't say the names and stuff with that. You got to realize, too, he says that the timber team in the area, please report to blah, blah, blah. So what happens yeah. is they get there. Zell ends up saying everybody's name and the garden's name. On national TV. On national yeah, and that's TV. what pissed off Cypher. Yes, because he's just like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> because, yeah, now you're not just um, people in the timber resistance doing whatever you're doing. You are officially, you've announced that you are from Balam Garden and that you are a military force trying to kidnap the president of another military force. It's like, oh, you moron, Zell. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Zell, Zell spends the next sort of like five minutes of the game lamenting himself. <laughs> womp, womp. And then yeah, so basically, so basically, Cipher ends up holding like he because Cipher also wields a gunblade, uh, so he's holding the president hostage and he's got the gunblade around his neck. And then this is when Sorceress Dea just literally just sort of comes out the ground. <laughs> this is our first introduction of a sorceress. And yeah, on first playthrough, it was just a bit like, oh, there's a witch. <laughs> She's a witch. Burn her. <laughs> um, and yeah, she sort of like weirdly mind controls Cypher. This is one thing that has always, another thing that bothers me about Cypher's story is I feel like it's never completely clear how much control a sorceress has had over him or if yeah. he did all of it from it, like how much was his own decisions and will. Um, so it's, it just makes his story like sort of fall flat. Yeah, so, definitely. Because it does sort of seem like he wasn't like 100% under their control if that makes sense but i mean maybe he no was. i think i think she kind of controlled him at first but then didn't need to control him later on because she manipulated him enough that he was just going to do it anyway right because also yeah, he uh, kind of just did it on his own because i think he also remembers who Adaya is oh yeah <laughs> but he doesn't remember that until later right no he might actually remember that no i think i think he does she tells him yeah, yeah, possibly. I don't, he also I don't know. doesn't bring it up at all until that reveal has already happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just like, oh, yeah, I remember what she was. <laughs> That's why I wanted to protect her. Like, what? Yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, she, she basically disappears with Cypher, uh, the president, and herself. She just like morphs into the floor with them all, and they all disappear. As one and does. Suddenly, yeah, suddenly you're just in shit, you know. <laughs> you're in the middle of occupied territory. You've just tried to assassinate the uh, president. 
right or you're associated with the assassination of the president and uh, yeah you've got to leg it out of there <laughs> but uh, but of course it's occupied so you have to sort of slowly sneak your way out yep and then um Quistis is the one who goes um again because uh she's there but she's not in charge school's supposed to be in charge well, squad Te- leader yeah squad leader well te- technically renoa is in charge Squalls roughnecks. Um, Mr. Squalls, chagrin. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's the one who says, hey, what's so we can't get back to Ballam Garden. What's the seed directive? And he's just like, orgy? <laughs> uh, she's, like, yeah. no. she's like, no. <laughs> You're supposed to head to the nearest garden. And they're like, well, that's Galbadia Garden. So we'll go deeper into enemy territory. God, you morons. What if they weren't even just, on the this continent? Like, it would be really hard to get to Tribia. <laughs> I feel like it's hard to get to Tribia anyway. Tribia's just like yeah. the most remotest, weirdest place. You know. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> and like, so they, yeah, imagine if you had to find the White Sea ship. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, go on, Scott. You can take over. Okay, so they get the fuck out of timber, uh, get the hell out of dodge, um, and they dodge, set out on their way to Galvadia Garden. On the way, they have an- another Laguna fever dream. Um, basically, Laguna, Kiros, and Ward are doing like a an excavation of this building that you later find out is called the Lunatic Pandora, Ooh. under Esthar control, which is another military nation. Um. Nothing major really happens there except for they end up getting cornered by the S-Star soldiers on a cliff edge. So they end up having to like jump to escape. Um, jump will be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so they jump. Uh, Ward gets his vocal cords permanently damaged. He can't speak anymore after that. But it ends on a cliffhanger with them all like jumping off a huge cliff. Uh, how, does, how, does, how does Ward lose his voice? I never really understood that. I think it was supposed to be implied that he was um, wounded during that battle with the soldiers right before they jumped. He got punched in the face. (laughs) I'm sorry, he got punched in the throat. He's a big guy. Yes, he is. (laughs) That would be a hard job. (laughs) Anyway, they wake back up. They're like, what the fuck again about having the same dream. Uh, But then they move on without really discussing it. Uh, Renoa and Squall get into like a little mini argument, but that happens all the time. Nothing major to write home about. Um, Love is tiff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they get to Galbadia Garden. Uh, they meet with the headmaster there, Martine, and basically they have new orders to um, go to Dealing City and assassinate the sorceress. Oh, this Dealing is being... so dumb. <laughs> yeah, dealing being like, the uh, the capital of Galbadia. It's just like yep. I'd be like, why would I trust this guy? And that's that's also where you find out that Cipher has been ordered to be executed, and it was already carried out. And that's where Renoa even says he was my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. everybody's real like, sad for what? a second. We had Squall has an angst because Squall is full of angst because he realizes that once somebody dies, people just sort of talk about you in the past tense. It's a big thing. Um, yeah, he gets all he gets all angsty about it, doesn't he? He's like, like an people, idiot. Fujin and Raijin show up here me? at the garden too, but I don't remember why. They just show up to look for him, basically. They're looking for um No, they were there to report that the garden was safe. Oh, okay. 
So yeah, so Zell feels better about that. Fujin and Ryzen are kind of like Cypher's flunkies, so they they're sort of like just at his side the whole game. Um, yep. But anyway, and they're, they're the ones who say, "Well, I haven't seen Cypher's body, so we're going to keep looking for him." Right. Because we know Cypher, and there's no way there's no way being executed is going to keep him down. Yeah, and they're a lot friendlier towards <sighs> your group than Cypher is in general. But regardless. Um, once you get the mission from Headmaster Martine, um, or Martin, or however you're supposed to say it, um, a new character, Irvine, gets assigned to your team. He's like a sniper sharpshooter guy, um, dresses like a cowboy, and he's sort of like a ladies' man. I find him pretty annoying, personally. But um, so <laughs> his goal is to, um, basically the goal is to have him shoot Sorceress Adea during her inauguration parade in the city. So yep. um, you leave the garden, you head towards dealing, you get there, and um, basically you meet up with General Carraway, who is a general in the Galvadian army, but obviously he's sort of a traitor because he wants Adia dead too, because as everybody knows, sorceresses are just generally considered to be bad news. Um, but in order to prove yourself, you get a mission to go to the Tomb of the Unknown King and have proof that you survived it. And you can't get the mission briefing until then, which now that I think about it, that's, that whole part's kind of, that whole reasoning is kind of shaky. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, you head out towards the Tomb of the Unknown King. All right, so two things. One, the Tomb of the Unknown King took me the first time I played this game forever to find. Um, because I was stupid and it realized all I had to go off is to the left when you first leave the garden or leave the city. And it was there. Second, um, I couldn't find the damn thing. So I, what I did is I just guessed the freaking number. Oh really? This was back. Bef- <laughs> this was way back before I had a guide or the internet. So I guessed that number it took me an hour to do it. How many digits is so it? Anyways, it's three digits. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, that's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, all you're doing is you're going through this uh, Tomb of the Unknown King. You just you fight the brothers, which is our GF. Once you fight them, they join you as a GF, and uh, you get the code. Honestly, you have the option. You don't have to fight the brothers to do this. You can literally walk in the tomb, uh, go straight when you first walk in, and off to the right-hand side on the floor is a sword. That's the code. Isn't it like on like the first or second screen inside? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do much. If you wanted to, you can fight the brothers and get the GF. That's up to you. Um, I did it. I'm sure everybody else does that. It's just easier that way. Yeah. You don't want to miss any GFs if you can help it in general. No, no. And then you you leave, you take the code back to uh, dealing and uh, you give that code to the gatekeeper at the mansion, and then you get there and you realize a general shows up, uh, and Renault is nowhere to be found. Right. And then you realize that, oh, after he talks a few moments, that uh, Renault is General's daughter. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, it's just stupid. <laughs> I don't know why. So he's like, he's all mad at his daughter. He's like, she's just having a hissy fit. I don't want her involved. Just, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about this stuff. So you go through the mission with the, uh, with the general. He gives you points that you want to be at, how this is going to go down, how the parade's going to function, what each team is going to do, and you do that. 
basically the whole plan is to trap a Dea's float inside this archway gate, at which point she'll be completely vulnerable for Irvine to sniper. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We're going to shoot. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to shoot a uh, a sorceress in the face with a sniper rifle, and we're going to trap her. This only works if you don't, she doesn't know something's about to happen. So if they hadn't trapped her, this plan might have worked. <laughs> yeah. But again, she's also a sorceress. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. could go wrong? She's probably going to have a shield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just going to throw it out there. So once you do that, you realize that you get back to the mansion and everybody's ready to go. Scott, take it away with the assassination. Okay. Um, so basically, the plan, like I said, uh, Quistus and all them are going to trap Adea in the gate as her float passes through while Squall and Irvine are at the top of the clock tower and Irvine will snipe Adea. If he fails for whatever reason, Squall is then supposed to go on the direct offensive and take her out himself. Um, Renoa comes up with the plan to use this necklace that is supposed to suppress uh, magic powers, keep sorceresses from using their magic. Um, but when she comes up with this plan, uh, Quistus and the others are like, you stupid slut. Um, and it's so harsh. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it is a stupid idea cause it requires you to actually be close enough That's to, right. yeah, put the necklace on to her or get her to put it on. But, um, so Quistus basically tells her how stupid she is. Um, they all leave to go out on the mission and basically, uh, Renoa figures out that she is about to be trapped inside the mansion by her father to keep her from trying to like participate in the mission at all or anything like that. Um, she manages to escape in time, but uh, Quistus started to feel bad about uh, you know snapping at Renoa, and so she leaves her freaking post with Selfie and Zill for some reason uh, to, to go all the way back to the mansion when there's only a few minutes left before she needs to do her part of the mission to say, sorry, <laughs> stupid, sorry. stupid, stupid, so dumb, especially when it's taking you like 20 minutes to get through the sewers to actually get to the point where you need to be. Yeah. <laughs> and can you, like if, if only they had cell phones, like she could have texted her. Hey, sorry. <laughs> My bad. They had a phone in FF seven. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the, like, but there's no, no, no radio communications. I suppose. I think when I was yeah, a kid, timing- I realized how stupid of a decision that was, but like as an adult, I'm just like, wow, you are a special kind of idiot. <laughs> I wonder why you're a bad teacher. Yeah, no wonder you got sacked. Oh, you're yeah, a bad And what's teacher. even funnier is like the timing of things. I'm going to spend 20 minutes, like Bill said, in a sewer when you only have five minutes for the, the sorcerers to show up. Right. But other than that, this whole sequence is actually really cool. It's got lots of FMVs. Um, you find out that Cypher is actually working with the sorceress. He's on the float with her. He's like her mm-hmm. personal bodyguard now. Um, Squall and Cypher get to the top of the, or sorry, Squall and Irvine get to the top of the clock tower. And then Irvine all of a sudden starts choking. Like he can't bring himself to do it, which is also another really stupid thing that you find out later that he actually has a, a good yeah. reason for that. Yeah, this is his first assassination attempt. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, Again, taking an, take an inexperienced sniper, says he's good, and says, you know what? You're going to shoot, you're going to do this most important thing ever. Yeah, it's just nuts. And then also, um, pop his cherry. a little note on the uh, FMVs as well is that the, um, 
the dancers, uh, that whole dance they're doing is the thriller dance. Yep, that's really cool. Yep, they read really, it's the thriller dance, you no know, Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah, also because so, it's all the people dancing in front of the float as it's going through the town. All of the sorceress music, especially this particular version of the track, is pretty awesome. The be those Luce, Lakos Vinose. It's absolutely banging. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Irvine takes the shot. Uh, Adea throws up the shield. Obviously, it fails. So then Squall goes on the offensive. I totally forgot to mention that there's this whole thing where... Oh, the uh, backup plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that... uh. Renoa did try to put the necklace on Adea, but Adea was like not having any of that shit. Yeah, uh, and she ends up under her Adea's control. Right. <laughs> President Dealing makes a speech to everybody in the city, and then Adea takes over, kills the president in front of everybody, uh, makes a, a huge speech about how everybody's like fucking worms under her heel, and she is going to take over the world, and everybody sucks. So, yeah, and they were cheering. And her. people cheered. Yes. Oh my God! I had to say that everybody in the city is like under like some kind of hypnotism at this point. Yeah, I think it's I, would, I think it's in the Ultimania um, that uh, she's using like an enchantment thing. Yeah, you know, like the confused spell, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she somehow managed to get that across the whole city. So they are just literally under her spell. But again, it's not like really they don't tell you this or make any sort of reference to it so she just suddenly starts calling everyone maggots and they're all going yeah you're the best yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's so so weird um this actually reminds me of there's a segment in parasite eve where everybody goes to this concert a villain is holding and she's like a known like serial killer so (laughs) it's very similar situation to that (laughs) connection um (laughs) so they like i said squad goes on the offensive um He fights Cypher one-on-one, defeats Cypher because Cypher's a little pussy. Um, and then Renoa and Irvine join. They fight Adea, has some banging music, and then it ends with Adea uh, throwing a ice spear through Squall's chest, and that's how Disc 1 ends on a huge cliff- cliffhanger. And then the rest <laughs> or- of the story is a fever dream by Squall because he's dead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's dead. Let's just, let's just cut it there. Uh, the story is over. <laughs> the rest of it is a hallucination from the ice in his bloodstream to his brain as he's dying. Okay. <laughs> so that's a good point to have a little uh, cut section. So uh, we're going to have a little ad break now. And then we'll come back afterwards with the rest of uh, with uh, disc, fr- disc two of Final Fantasy VIII. Let's do it. Are you a fan of high fantasy epic book series that are converted into television series? No, not that one. I mean an epic book series that is actually complete. I am referring to The Wheel of Time, Robert Jordan's fantasy masterpiece that was completed posthumously by Brandon Sanderson. Well, I have the perfect podcast for you. The Taveren is a Wheel of Time podcast where three gentlemen go through the series one chapter at a time, in their own special way. Follow along as Bill, Rob, and Rich re-experience this great epic. Experience for yourself a world full of vibrant locations, colorful characters, and storylines that will never fail to surprise. Visit a world that Game of Thrones can only wish was as fleshed out and complete. The Taveren, a Wheel of Time podcast, is part of the We Can Make This Work Probably network of podcasts. Find our podcast wherever you get your podcast feed, or visit 
probablywork.com for episodes of this podcast and other great shows. We will see you at the Wine Spring Inn. And we're back, uh, except for we had a slight problem during the break. Uh, we're now down a, uh, down a party member here. Yep. He uh, got stabbed in the chest with an icicle. <laughs> so is Bill really dead? I don't know. It's a, it's a fan theory. He's probably a figment of our imagination, but... <laughs> eh. uh, basically, his baby woke up, so he had to suddenly leave. But we, were, we did have the foresight to go ahead and record the... Uh, the ratings at the end. So if it seems like we're jumping around a bit, I apologize. We're doing the best we can here with the cards we're dealt. Yes. But so anyway, we're there. Yeah. So disc two begins with a Laguna dream. It's really boring, but basically Laguna has survived the, um, the whole thing where he jumped off a cliff. He was nursed back to health by a woman named rain. And he's in this like quiet village town called Windhill. Um, Basically, he's got the hots for Rain, and Rain has this uh, little girl that's not her daughter, but she is taking care of her, named Alone. And that name may seem familiar if you were listening to us earlier in the episode. <laughs> Foreshadow. Maybe. It's never, it never says her name before this segment, right? No. Like, yeah, I don't, don't think it does. There's no way you can associate that other girl, the, the woman you know later. No. Okay. No, you don't know who that is, to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, so Laguna does patrols the village and nothing really happens other than you get the sense that he wants to settle down and live a quiet life with rain and alone. Um, but anyway, then you're back to the present. The gang has woken up in the Galbadia D district prison, which I assume means desert district. Sure. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Um, this prison is basically, a, there's an anti-magic field over it. So they can't use magic. They can't escape. Um, the way the whole prison is works is really weird. It like digs into the sand and can raise and lower like, like a tower out of the sand. It's like uh, a giant drill. Yeah. I'm not sure why it needed to be a drill, but I guess if it's drilled in, it really is inescapable. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I can see the, I can see the engineering. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, so Squall wakes up, has no idea how he is alive. Um, Cypher interrogates him, does a little torture. Um, you start to get a, more of a, a hint between uh, Squall and Laguna here because there are some Moombas, which are these cute little orange critters uh, that they call Squall Laguna over and over. Yeah, it's weird. It is really weird about those things. Um, a key piece of this, though, Cypher does ask Squall one question over and over. What is seed or what is the meaning of seed? It's all which he does. Is a, a weird question to ask considering... Cypher should know all about what being a seed is. He was training to become one for years. <laughs> yep. So again, that's another plot hole that's weird with Final Fantasy VIII. Well, so. I think that um, Sorcerer Sadea put him up to it, right? Yeah. But then, oh, well, that one makes sense because, I mean, later you find out, spoiler, that uh, Adea is the founder of Seed, but I guess Ultimecia wouldn't know that or what Adea knows. And so the whole purpose of seed is to kill the sorceress. Anyway, it ends up being not that important. Yep. Um, they managed to escape because Irvine and Renoa, who were not in prison for some reason, 
come back and save them. But in the process of all this, they find out that because Galbadia is aware that Garden tried to, you know, assassinate Adea, that they are going to launch missile strikes on Gal- uh, Balam and Trebia Gardens. So that sucks. <laughs> yes, that is, it's, it's weird. But, so they just do all that and, you know, we're just going to blow everybody up. We're going to kill innocent-ish children. <laughs> yeah, because these gardens are filled with children. A lot of people need to realize that. So Yeah, these military cadets, I think the oldest you can be is 18. So Yeah. Before you're kicked out laws. if you're not a seat anyway. Yeah. So once they leave the prison, they are on their way to the, the uh, missile base. So their deal is to stop the missiles from blowing up. And you split into two teams. You can pick which team does what. Um, but your Squall is tasked with going back to the garden, to Balm uh, Garden, to warn everybody about what's happening. Team B is actually sent to Galvania's missile base to stop it. So you're actually Team B, and you're going to um, – and the TV is led by Selfie, right? Correct. Uh, Selfie has to go, I think, because she's worried about Trivia Garden, which is where she's from. I, I don't, maybe. I, I think you're right. So the weird thing is you can see, send Renoa there too. <laughs> yeah, I did do that. Oh, that's too bad. You get an extra FMV if you send Renoa to Balam. <laughs> no, wait, I did send, I sent her to Balam. Oh, there you go. Balam. <laughs> yeah, I did do that. Um, so you do that, you infiltrate the base, you get in. I really like this part. Is, yeah, it's kind of nice. And who else is there? Biggs and Wedge. <laughs> they remember you. Yeah. Um, so you end up fighting a big armored vehicle after you set the missiles off. The missiles did get off uh, off the ground, so there's nothing you could do about that. So you fight that. And what, did did looks, they actually accomplish anything? Did it like slow it down or what? It slowed it. It messed the guidance system up, so it missed it. Mm. Um, but... Uh, the missile base was set to self to self explode, self detonate, self destruct. There's a word I'm looking for. And um, the team basically is somber. They're like, oh, you know, they get locked make in. It. Yeah, you get locked in. So they're just all distraught about that. They're gonna die. And it's kind of a sad it. scene. Except yeah, it's for sad. it's hard to believe that uh, you know the game would just kill off half your party. So I, yeah, I was well, never worried about them. <laughs> well, Final Fantasy 15 did kill some people off, but anyways. Um, Spoiler. Back when you were a kid, did you uh, ever, did you, did this fool you at all? No. Did, honestly, at that point, I just didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care <laughs> if they died. I was like, well, this happens. Um, so, and that's it. You're, you're gone. Then, yep. then it's your to the next place. Where are we at, Scott? Okay. So then it cuts back to team A, Squall and whoever else you sent, uh, who have just arrived at Balam Garden, going to warn everybody about, you know, the incoming missile strike. Except for the garden is already in chaos over a completely unrelated matter. Um, basically, there's a faction of students and faculty. Well, all the garden faculty have sided against Headmaster Sid and the regular employees, basically. What uh, was the guy's name that they were? Was it Norg? Yeah, Master Norg. Got it. Okay. Who, if you had read the tutorial menu uh, that we keep bringing up, you would know Master Norg, although he, he's not the headmaster, he founded he basically financed the garden so yeah, i didn't read that master norik's trying to do like a power play but you haven't actually met him at this point in the game yet 
So basically you have no idea what's going on and you're just running around the garden looking for Headmaster Sid and warning everybody about, you know, the missile strike. Yep. And you eventually find Headmaster Sid who tells you basically the only way to avoid the missile strike is there's some kind of hidden secret about the garden that's in like the deep basement levels of it. And he doesn't even know what it does. So I don't know why he would think this might do something unless he knows more than he's letting on. I don't know. Yeah. He seemed kind of special about that. He didn't realize like, I'm just going to go, I'll go find out. I'll go talk to him. So they go to the basement. Right. Um, So you go through like the inner, like deepest levels of the garden and find some controls. Eventually you figure out, Lo and behold, the garden can fly. Yeah, but you have to fight the big, the big fat thing called Norg. That's actually coming up in a few minutes. Oh crap! Sorry. <laughs> yeah, jump that, spoiler. I mean, it's pretty soon. So, yeah. But uh, so the garden flies and it, it takes up off the ground. It's actually pretty cool. Um, and the missiles just barely miss the garden. Yeah, it was pretty quick. It was pretty close to that. You're you're thinking the FMV. It's kind of like a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's got some banging music going on during this part. Yeah. Um, except for even though the garden has taken off, they don't know how to control it. So they end up just barely missing the, missing the town, of, town of Balaam and crashing into the ocean. And they end up just adrift for a few days. Um, yes, they go to... Where do they drift to? They go to Fisherman's, Fisherman's Horizon, Horizon. But before right. they get there is when the Nord thing happens. Oh, yes, yes. So you fight the big Jabba the Hutt-looking thing. Yeah, he's a Shumi who is like a race of creatures that you only find out about if you do a side quest later in the game, which we're not going to talk about just for the sake of time. But Yes. Um, but yeah, you defeat Master Norik, kill him. Um, you find out that the whole thing where uh, Galbadia Garden sent Squall and the others on the mission to assassinate Adea was not something that was sanctioned by Balam Garden. It was like a, basically a trick, kind of. Um, so Galbadia Garden wouldn't take any of the blame for the assassination attempt if it failed, which it did. <laughs> oh, it failed horribly because their sharp, sharpshooter panicked. Yeah. <laughs> and plus, you can't shoot a sor- sorceress in the face. Right. So, yeah. Good, good try. Good try. Womp, good womp. game. Um, but you kill Nork, and I think nothing really comes of that other than squall being even more confused about what's going on than usual. Yeah. They make him a leader. Like headmaster Sid. Or is that later? No, I think that's actually happens. Headmaster Sid like lets him kind of take control, not really take control, but takes point on what's about to happen next. So after Norg, they drift to fisherman's horizon. Kind of crash into it. Yeah, there's that. So what happens is they actually steer into that. Uh, the, the team actually ends up having to meet with the mayor of Fisherman Horizon. Uh, the Fisherman and this place Horizon. has some really soothing music. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of liked it. One of my favorite tracks. Yep. So you meet the mayor. The mayor is kind of a hippie, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's kind of a hippie. So he agrees to fix your, your boat. Yeah, fix your garden. He'll fix it. Apparently it was built here. Yeah, that was, that's weird, by the way. I didn't, and then nobody told about that. <laughs> was it built so, here or built in Estar? Because the people of Fisherman's Horizon are from Estar. I think it was built in Estar, but they knew exactly what was going on. So they fixed it. Um, 
at, and the mayor's one basically just wants you out of there. But, but said, what we'll happens? Fix it, but you have to leave immediately. Correct. But here's what happens. All of a sudden, there is Galbadian forces in, from, in Fisherman's Horizon. And, of course, it's very hard to be peaceful when your city is being <laughs> burned to the ground. Yeah. So you fight. What one thing do you fight? Oh, it looks like the same thing that was in the, Gal- the Galbadian missile base. Weird dink. <laughs> right. And so you it, fight it. It's all busted up and torn up and shit. Yep. Uh, so yeah. what happens with that? They end up actually defeating it. And who crawls out of it? Team B. They're alive. Yay. Yeah. Uh, that's weird, by the way. Like, could they have stopped fighting their team? They realized, like, oh, my God, there's a squad out there. What are we doing? Why are we trying to murder him? I think they say that they couldn't figure out how to control the thing. Yep. Which is like, did that whole mech get transported all the way there with them inside it? <laughs> it probably did. Like, who was controlling it? So, yeah. Um, they live. Let's be real. Ze- who, if you pick Zell, it was a team member or whoever was pissed off at, at Squall being the leader. And they're like, you know what? If it kills him, I can claim innocent. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Yeah, that's basically what happens. He's take over. So you beat them, you find the team, and you're like all happy about being reunited. And then it's time to leave. Does the concert happen yet or is that later? I think it's now, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So Selfie, uh, she's in charge of the Garden Festival. Uh, and that finally happens now. She's been mentioning it like the whole game. But basically they try to this is when Squall gets promoted because Headmaster Sid basically makes Squall the commander of everybody. And then Selfie and Renoa and all them come up with this plan to have the concert and it's supposed to be like a big show of support to Squall. Um basically saying, you know, your friends are here for you. And yeah, it can sort message. of go, you know one of two ways, depending on how well you do at the concert, as far as setting up the instruments, <laughs> but it, it's not very important. Yeah. I like the scene. Uh, it's kind of like the first time that Renoa seems to finally be getting through to squall a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The love story that's supposed to be happening. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so squall's commander. Now let's make the 17 uh, year old commander. That makes sense. Yep. Totally. How so, many, there's gotta be a lot of older seeds, right? I forget what the age limit is for a seed. They're called plants. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm a what? tree with a capital E. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's that's another thing too. Where are the adults at? Where are the adults? Well, there is the doctor, and that's about all I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's so, the cafeteria stuff. Yeah. 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 Um. All right. So they eventually they get taught how to use the garden. Uh, Nida who we is not we mentioned uh, earlier he's the pilot of the garden that's really the only important thing he does he has purpose oh yeah and you also found out that um the reason galbadia attacked fisherman's horizon is because they're looking for a girl named alone who supposedly is on Ballam garden yes and they she leaves she gets out yep these people called the white seeds come and take her um not forcefully, just, you know, she goes along with them. Apparently she knows them uh, just to protect her from being found by Galvadia. Yep. So anyway, the next day here that um, Balam, the town of Balam, is actually uh, under occupation by Galvadia as well. 
for the same reason. They're just trying to do anything they can to find a loan. Luckily, they're not, you know, actively burning that town to the ground. <laughs> no, they're not very forceful military group, as far as I could tell, but they're very, they're, they're assholes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you find out that Fujin and Raijin have defected to the Galbadian side, which is no surprise considering Cypher is there. Um, you fight them. Nothing. I mean, it's sort of a sad scene because Fujin and Raijin aren't like actively hostile necessarily towards your group. They're just trying to help Cypher. Yeah, and they know he's doing something wrong. They know right. that. Yeah, which comes into play later, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, and then nothing too exciting happens other than that, other than you liberating Balam. Yeah, that's about it. So after you get control of the garden, you've uh, then you know released uh, Galbania from, uh, or released Balam from Galbania forces. Selfie actually convinces you to go check on uh Trebia, yep. uh, Trebia. Uh, I've always said Trebia, but I don't know Trebia. what's the correct. So Trebia is, you know, where she's from. So that's where her friends are from. Uh, so we go visit them. Unfortunately, they were not lucky. Somebody didn't know about the secret uh, flying controls in the basement. <laughs> no, a lot of people, a lot of people died. Uh, she's yeah. very sad, and it's a it's a whole big mess. There's gravestones everywhere. It's yep. Fucked up beyond belief, basically. <laughs> but there are a lot oh, of yeah. still, like a lot of people did survive. Yeah, so. um, the adults are dead. <laughs> There's even like a, a missile that didn't go off, just implanted in the ground there. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of cool. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a you know blessing for them. They, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people did survive. There's some death and everything, but they'll they'll live on. I think that's it for that part. Um, the biggest, stupidest twist in the game happens here. Oh crap! What is it? I forget. Orphanage. Oh, is this where they have a vision? Um, basically, uh, they all go out on the basketball court and at Trivia Garden, and for some reason I can't remember why it comes up, but Irvine finally reveals that they all used to be kids at the same orphanage. Oh um, yes, they realized it because Galbanian Garden doesn't enforce or doesn't require their students to use gfs right so irvine has pretty much known who they all are this whole time which is stupid why like now would you say something's like oh yeah you guys didn't realize remember who 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 i was yeah and i don't think the stupid thing is that they all went to the same orphanage like the game justifies it with the whole gf memory thing the cop out but whatever the stupid thing is it's just like an unbelievable coincidence yeah (laughs) And it doesn't do a whole lot to service the game's story anyway. Um, let's see. Keith just figures out that she didn't really love Squall. It was because she had like lingering big sister feelings for him, <laughs> which is a little weird. Um, yeah. but, th- but the other big reveal is that their caretaker at the orphanage, who they called Matron, was actually uh, Sorceress Adea. Yeah, weird plot twist. She used to be like oh, yeah, a really right. nice, like kind woman, apparently. Yeah, that's weird. Yep. So they're going to have to kill their ma- the matron. So yeah, this, that's, uh, that's right. That did happen. That twist is the, uh, when people talk about the failings of Final Fantasy VIII's story, that's always like the thing that immediately comes up. Yeah. Because that'd be the first thing I would say is like, don't you guys remember me? <laughs> yeah. I guess story-wise, it does sort of strengthen the, uh, the bond between all of them, but uh, it just seemed sort of unnecessary. 
Yeah, it was kind of forced. I thought it was forced. Um, Renoa was not one of the kids, just yes. throwing that out there. So it's okay because now Squall and Renoa can still, you know, get jiggy Have with love. it. <laughs> yeah, get jiggy with it. All so right. next is the last uh, part of disc two, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the Clash of the Gardens. Basically, they decide they're going to go visit the orphanage to see if they can get clues about why Adea became evil, basically. Except for on the way, they find out that Galvadia Garden has also figured out how to fly. So it turns into a big, like, garden war. It's like Star Wars. Yeah. And this part is, like, actually really epic. There's lots of FMVs and, like, things are going to shit everywhere. Um, Because, like, Galvadia figures out how to board Balam Garden, and they're all, like, ramming each other and shit. Yeah, and it's not just seed students either. It's legit... um, Galbadian forces right they've used Galbadians have boarded the uh the garden because apparently Adea has made Galbadia garden her base yeah of operations um there's a sequence here where well before I get to that um Squall is forced to in like the ninth hour make like a speech to try and motivate the entire student body and all that and this is actually one of my favorite scenes of the game. Um, Squall's sort of forced to step up and be a leader here. Um, he makes a pretty good speech. Yeah, it was there like is, a Captain America speech. <laughs> there is a mechanic here where you sort of have to order everybody like what to prioritize as far as the uh, the strategy. <laughs> you can order people to save the hot dogs, so it's it's possible to ruin the scene a little bit. But yeah, does that ruin the scene or make it better? <laughs> I'll leave it up. It to makes you. it better. Um. Shortly after that, Renoa gets um, knocked off like a cliff, and she sort of hangs on to it for 16 years. And <laughs> un- no one helps her. An unrealistic amount, amount of time to hang on to a ledge. Um, but Squall manages to save her. Um, there's this whole like plot line where Renoa has stolen Squall's ring so she can get a copy made for herself. Um, that comes into play later. But yeah, so... Eventually, Squall and the others all make it on to Galbadia Garden. You go through there. This place is annoying as fuck to navigate, in my opinion. Yep, um, I agree. But you find Cypher and Dedea. You defeat Cypher like the little bitch-ass pussy he is. Yeah. Um, and then you fight Adea again, and you win. But this time, something kind of weird happens. There's like a flash of light. Um where Noah falls unconscious for some reason, and Adea seems to return to her former kind self, um, like she was in some some kind of like possession state the whole time, which, as everyone knows, will be explained shortly. But that's basically the end of t- disc two. The cliffhanger there is that uh, Renoa has fallen unconscious for some reason. Yeah, weird. Why is she always in trouble? Causing me such headaches, Rich. Because she's just a pain. <laughs> She is kind of annoying a lot of the times, but Squall's kind of annoying too, so I guess I get it. Stupid They're perfect squall. for each other. Yeah. Always getting in trouble.
I guess the white seed shit part really happens here, but uh, we already covered that. It doesn't really matter when that happened. Yeah, I mean, that to find this seed ship was a, was a pain in the butt, I know, for Bill. Um, you had to actually go navigate down south of the map in the middle where all of, like, the inlet islands are with the garden. And that's really – and basically you just find the seed ship and try to talk to alone. Because right. you, you find out in that whole sequence of uh, figuring out who the matron was that alone was the big sister. Yes. Um, so – I'm not sure if all this comes out right now, but we may as well go ahead and cover it. Um, the reason Squall is such a loner is because when he was a kid, alone was another girl at the orphanage, and he was sort of like really dependent on her as like a big sister uh, figure. Except for she suddenly disappeared one day with no explanation. Turns out the white seeds came to pick her up. Um, but basically Squall felt like alone abandoned him, and so he couldn't trust anybody anymore. Yeah, that's that's true. Womp womp. <laughs> well, at so, least they justify why he's is the way he is. He's a little punk ass bitch. Sorry, <laughs> language. But it's really <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so that oh, happens. There is a, a Laguna dream somewhere in this part of the game. The one where the Laguna is like an actor in that movie. Oh, yeah. That was weird. Like he's the actor, and Ward is not there, but. Ward and Kiros are supposed to be playing a dragon, I think. Yes. But uh, a real yeah. dragon comes along. But the important thing here is uh, you find out that Alone has apparently been kidnapped back in the past. So the two Alones are the same. And yeah. uh, Laguna and Kiros and Ward are basically on a journey to Estar to rescue her. Yep. But anyway, and, and Renoa has been uh, out for days, like just not responding to anything at all. That's right. So they're trying to find out what was wrong with her. That's why they went and found the white seed ship to get her to try to figure out what, what happened. Right. They thought alone might be able to do something, but, but no, she can't. Yeah. So she tells them to go seek out Estar. Right. Um, so, well, actually alone was on the white seed ship, but when they find the white seed ship, she's not there anymore. I think is how that goes down um, because she has yes. gone to Estar. So Squall sneaks away in the middle of the night um, with just literally carrying Renoa like across the ocean on her bridge. <laughs> yeah. That is a strong, that's a lot of stamina there, man. I actually really like this scene though, because uh, Squall kind of like opens up, even though she's unconscious, he like spills his guts out to Renoa. Cause <laughs> she's not really listening. Yeah. He does have feelings. Just not when anybody's around. For me, this scene sort of proves to me why the relationship between because i mean that is one of the biggest things ffa is known for is its love story it focuses on that more than maybe any other final fantasy i'm throwing up quotation marks love story yeah well this Seriously? is what this scene made it sort of work for me just because um people say well squall does a, a total 180 but i think it's more of it's you don't know what you got till it's gone and so yeah. all of a sudden Renoa's not there and he realizes, Oh, I really did dig this chick. <laughs> but anyway, so Squall gets to the continent that Estar is on eventually. Who knows how many miles that is, but uh <laughs> turns out Zell and the rest of them are already there waiting, along with Sorceress Adea, who is completely back from, you know, being evil. And we sort yeah. of skipped over earlier, but she tells you she was possessed 
by an evil sorceress from the future named Ultimecia, who apparently she was in control of Adea the whole time. And she somehow managed to send her consciousness back and possess other sorceresses from the future. And I like Ultimecia, but I think that whole story is where the plot of FF8 really goes off the rails with all that stuff. Yeah, it didn't hold up very well with all that. It did um, the, the classic villain switcheroo, but just not well. <laughs> I just can't do it. And people do say Ultimecia. I think she doesn't get enough credit just because you, when you think of like the villain, you think of Sorceress Adea, but I mean, really it was Ultimecia the whole time. So she's present from close to the beginning of the game. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, I yeah. do I do really like Final Fantasy VIII, but this, this part of the game is where, like you said, does go off the rails. Yeah. Um, so Ultimecia's plan is to use, to find alone who has the power to send people's consciousness into the past and then use that to send herself further back into the past, which will somehow achieve time compression, um, which is basically com a method of combining past, present, and future. Um, so it's a really hard concept to explain and it doesn't even really make sense in the game, but apparently if the world is, if time is compressed, she will be able to create a world that's perfect for her and rule it, you know, typical villain goals. You know, you know, it's hilarious. What's that? It just reminded me of the Hulk or the smart Hulk for the end game where he just like yells time travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that whole sequence with the Ant-Man's pretty funny. Yeah, I see this as an absolute win. All right, so do it. Sorry. Yeah, the time travel stuff is is a little Wonky. nutty. But but here's the thing. So you find out all that stuff. Um, I feel like that's we covered that part pretty good. Yep. You start talking about Luanic Pandora. Lunatic. Uh, lunatic. I don't know if it's no, I used to say lunatic Pandora because that's how it's spelled, but it, it might be lunatic, considering lunatic, okay. uh what it's made for. So you find out who was this other sor sorceress that they have locked up there? Uh, sorceress Adele, who Adele. used to rule over Estar, and she was like the reason there was a war 20 years ago. Yeah, so this war, so apparently if you didn't read the tutorial stuff, you know, like Scott did, um, <laughs> you find out exactly who this person is, that she, he, she, it, I don't, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a woman, but she looks like a, a bodybuilder like man. Yeah. Thing, so yeah, that's why I was confused on the whole the whole thing. But she's actually up in they, they actually can find her in a was it like a space station of some sort? Yeah, it's like this weird seal that they have her in in space that's supposed to like just keep her completely dormant. And all the monsters come from the moon. Right. Um Every so often, there's like a natural phenomenon called the lunar cry, which causes monsters to fall to Earth in mass. And that's basically where monsters come from in yeah. this world. Yeah, that was a lot of reach for sure. <laughs> um, so that happens. You so they decide they... to go to space because that's where Alone is. <laughs> yes, the space station, because they realized that something was happening. So Alone was up there to... They were going to use alone to wake up uh, Renoa 
by using that time compression stuff and everything, if I remember correctly. But they get up there, and what ends up happening is she Squall was hopeful that Lalonde would be able to send him back, and he could either figure out or uh, what happened to Renoa or find some way to save her. Correct. And what happens is she wakes up in some weird fashion and ends up awakening. Renoa. Renoa wakes up. Renoa wakes up and ends up, she doesn't really wake up. She is like in a weird trance. Yeah. And ends Uh, up walking to. It's it's a really creepy part. She's just sort of like zombie walks out of there and nobody can touch her because they just get blasted backward into the wall. If they try to stop her. So that uh, happens, and she ends up waking uh, Adele up. Yep, it releases the seal on her. Um, yeah. And sometime around here, you found out that, oh, when you find a loan, you find out through looking back into the past that um, Renoa was possessed by Ultimacia, and that's what's yes. been wrong with her. Um, because when you defeated Adea, Ultimacia basically just passed on to Renoa, and now Renoa is a sorceress. <laughs> but apparently because sorceresses can't die without passing on their powers apparently so this whole time adea hasn't even been a sorceress anymore since that battle yep so it's yeah. weird so uh adele gets released and they use the lunar cry to catch adele's like seal thing and make her come back down to earth and you find out that Adea or ultimacia's plan the whole time was to get adele down And that way she could possess Adele and then somehow possess Renoa at the same time. And that would increase her sorceress powers and make it easier to achieve time compression. Uh, That's, is that what I'm remembering correctly? It's like a triple decker sorceress sandwich. Yeah. They were, she was trying to break. No, the the idea was to use um, Adele's power along with Renoa's and loans time compression to bring Ultimicia back to the past right um so, correctly yeah so basically just trying to possess multiple sorceresses at once and use alone to do time compression yeah so again sorry guys this this whole part of the story gets very weird yeah and it's hard to remember that stuff because it's like okay what happened here what's this what's that so you end up fighting galbania shows up right mm-hmm. Well, they the Galbadia had excavated the lunatic Pandora, Correct. Uh, which they needed to cause the lunar cry to happen unnaturally. And that's where Adele shot from the moon and landed on that thing. Right. Or that's where she's at. So the problem is, go. yeah, Zell and the others who are still on Earth. Um, trying to stop try that. To, try to stop that, but they fail miserably because they suck. Again, it's Zell, so duh. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is in order to release Adele's seal, uh, Ultimacia had Renoa go out like into space and, you know, undo the seal without any way of returning to the space station. Yes. That's where you get that weird floating thing of her and Squall has to go out in space and get her. Right. Cause at this and point he... Squall has realized he'll do anything for Renoa more or less. Um, so you save her and, but then you're both adrift in space, no way to return. Except for, miraculously, a spaceship floats by. It used uh, used to be a S-Star spaceship, but apparently they somehow lost it. So that's really lucky that it just happens to float by. Um, it's the Ragnarok. 
which in my opinion, I think this might be the coolest air, at least the coolest looking airship in the series. Yeah. It might be the coolest airship period because you can, it has guns and it also has an auto autopilot feature. So yeah, really, really mm-hmm. rocking uh, spaceship there. But anyway, they have to clear it out from aliens because that's a thing. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> just, just weird stuff they're putting out there. Yeah. It's really annoying. If you don't know the secret, you have to, um, defeat them in a certain order to cause them to die permanently. Yeah. Anyway, they get, uh, they clear out the ship, they take it over, they learn how to control it. Um, and this is where the big love scene of the game happens. The big eyes on me scene. have opinions okay i do have opinions it's forced you think so i think it's really forced like again i really like final fantasy 8 i'm gonna throw, I keep telling people that i do like it uh, but this whole love i'm gonna throw quotation marks out there love story is very forced and like you don't get that feeling throughout the entire game that these two should be together it's almost like okay why not her and zell be together sure I would like to see in 10 years if they're still together. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so it just feels like it's very forced. I would, I would actually go along and say they're friends. Like yeah. they're really good friends. There's no love relationship between them. It's more of that. But what they tried to do was force it and made it so that like, he's in love with her and she doesn't want to let him go. And they thought they were going to die together. Like that stuff. They're it's still young fun. and in love. A summer love. I guess. 
when I was younger, I really did like this scene because I thought, you know, the music really blew it out of the water. Um, I really liked, I really liked eyes on me when I was uh, young. Now I can kind of see some of its faults, but I still got the nostalgia for it. So I get the hate, but (laughs) I think it's It's not really hate though. It's a decent song. Yeah. Um, but in this scene, Squall and Renoa basically talk about their feelings for each other and what they're going to do when they get back to the the planet because Renoa is a sorceress now and that means she's dangerous and they're going to want to lock her ass up. Yep. And they basically just talk about, I can't really remember the whole point of the scene. It's been a while since I've seen it, but um, it's sweet. She sits on his lap and he's like, get off. <laughs> yep. Just uh, get out of here. Yeah. But they get back down. Um, of course, they do come to take Renoa into the sorceress memorial, which is basically like a building built to imprison a sorceress and keep her powers from being a danger to the outside world. But what does what happens? This love, <laughs> I, I seriously, guys, I keep throwing quotation marks up there. But love, uh, they decide to not do that. They're gonna they're gonna take the time compression. They're gonna go talk to Laguna. Well, Squall breaks her out. Everybody, yeah, her out. everybody out is like, "What the fuck? You went on through that, all that to save her, and then you let that happen?" <laughs> yeah, weird. So they meet up with the president of Estar, which is Laguna. Yes, by the way, that's weird. Um, and Ward and uh, Cross are, you know, part of the whole community. They break like her out. Aides. Yeah, they break him out. They get to alone. Alone talks about time compression, and they discover a plan to time compress everything that's happened. They decide to to let Ultimacia achieve time compression so that they can actually, apparently if they do that, they can actually get to her and defeat her. Yeah. They kill her and make it happen. Right. Um, so they made Laguna president of Esthar because um, he sort of masterminded the whole downfall of Adele back in the day. Of course, that was problematic because they sent alone after he rescued her back to Windhill, at which point Rain died. And at that point, she uh, got taken into seed or garden custody. And he was never able to, it was like a long time before Laguna even found out that Rain had died or what had happened to alone. Yeah, he couldn't even track her down. Right. Um, so way to go, Laguna. <laughs> you suck. And it also hints around this point, you have to like kind of sort of piece it together yourself. But Laguna and Rain are Squall's real parents. Yeah. Just throws it out there. <laughs> it's like you got to piece together contacts clues. They never actually say that. Um, but it's the truth. I yeah. thought it was a cool twist. It just wasn't uh, handled well. Yeah. If they would have handled that better. Like the whole backstory of the orphanage and Squall's backstory and Laguna, I think it would have made it so much better. Yeah. But again, it could have been lost in translation. We don't know. That's true. Who knows? So, so time compression. Right. What happens uh, next? So you go to the lunatic Pandora to, uh, you know, find Adele slash Ultimacia. You defeat Cypher one last time. I do like this part. Um, because Fujin and Raijin basically release alone, um, telling Cypher that he has gone too far and he's being a stupid idiot. <laughs> he's being a punk-ass bitch. Yeah, so I like that they uh, turn against him. 
Cypher does prove he's not a complete bitch, though, because he kills Odin, assuming you have him. <laughs> um, but yeah, you defeat him. And then Cypher basically sacrifices Renoa. He manages to capture, recapture her and basically hands her over to Adele. And the two source. Did you know you can junction humans, Rich? Because apparently Adele junctions Renoa here. <laughs> what? The junction system continues to blow our minds. But <laughs> you All defeat right. Adele, which forces uh, Ultimacia to repossess Renoa. And since Alone knows Renoa, she is able to send her back in the past and Ultimacia is able to achieve time compression. Correct. And things go like all kinds of like crazy drug, <laughs> crazy drug trip. <laughs> yeah. Then you get to a castle and where to get to that castle. You have to go to the orphanage where it all began. Right. I, w- I would like if this re- orphanage wasn't like a total like shithole, <laughs> you know, all broken down and shit. Yeah. Uh, I would like to, Live at that orphanage. It's on the yeah, beach. It's nice. got a li- it's got a lighthouse. Well, you yeah. know, not with a big crazy evil looking gothic castle in the sky, but <laughs> yeah. But you get a glimpse into the future about this castle, Ultimacia's castle, and you've got seed members, the white seeds, dying. Like they're they're killed out in front of this this uh, castle. So you see them still fighting in the future with this person. So you have a team that goes up this stupid castle, which is a pain in the butt. All Apparently the seeds have been trying to kill Ultimacia for years, and that's what like drove her to in, insane, just constant persecution her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Ultimacia Castle, though. I think it's like one of the best final dungeons in the series. Yeah, it's got a weird twist to it. I mean, you have to go and actually defeat mini bosses to get your powers back. Because here's the thing, I didn't do that the first time, and that boss was a bitch. <laughs> you mean you, you went straight to Ultimacia? I went. I just balls the walls went to it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, couldn't do anything. Way to go. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, I should probably get some stuff back. But on so, top of that, um, it's got a, like a, a healthy amount of puzzles, and most of the puzzles aren't too obscure. Like you no. can figure them out, but they're also not, I wouldn't say they're simple either. Nope. But it's um, still good. So you go through that, and uh, you get all your powers back. This is an opportunity, though in the game where you can um, get GFs that you missed. Right. Um, you can draw pretty much all of the GFs that you missed from each of the little mini bosses here. Yep. So you go to the store, you go through all that. Uh, you get to Ultimicia at the very top. You fight her. And apparently, I don't know what this is supposed to represent, but she, uh, all her words that begin with C are replaced by K's. <laughs> I don't know if that's a speech in 10 minutes or a weird translation choice. That's probably a weird. Uh, Curse these seeds with a K. Yeah. yeah. So you beat her. It's like a four, five phase boss battle. We already, well, yeah. you'll hear boss our one. opinion on that during the rating section. Yep. So and then we get to the her. ending. Yeah. And the ending. Finally, we're there. You save the world. You save the past. You save the present. And you save the future. The problem is Squall gets separated from the rest of them during the ending. Um, he kind of walks around aimlessly in a desert forever. Um, then he ends up at the orphanage in the past where he meets himself as a little kid along with a younger Adea. This is my favorite scene in the game, Rich. Um, I think it all comes, not that it necessarily makes 
100% sense, but it all comes full circle here. Squall like meets his younger self and like sort of comes to terms to who he was and who he is now. And why alone left him and stuff like that, right? Right. And um, Adea sort of like through meeting Squall learns about seeds. So it's like this crazy time loop. Like it was the future Squall who gave Adea the idea to create seed. And it's just, it's nuts. And plus the little piano track that plays during this scene is uh, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. successor to anybody who wants to listen to it but it's one of my favorite pieces of final fantasy music but anyway after that squall continues to wander aimlessly he eventually gives up and i think it sort of implies that he's going crazy here he keeps seeing like flashes of the past over and over in like a loop but uh renoa is able to save him through their connection i guess they made a promise earlier in the game that they would meet at the same place and through sheer force of will she manages to find him um it's love there's a scene where cypher and fujin and raijin are just sort of uh chilling now doing their own thing um there's a flashback where you learn that it confirms basically that laguna proposed to rain which i think is supposed to lead you into realizing that uh one thing that it's a clue to her to him being yeah. squall's parents just imagine Father. him just all of a sudden blowing up it's like oh my god laguna's my dad yeah so squall rain uh or squall alone kiros and ward visit rain's grave and they're all happy together then we get a sequence at the garden everybody's partying it's funny because zell's like choking on hot dogs and you see all the characters um and zell is with his new girlfriend last thing you see is uh squall and renoa on the balcony they see the uh, another shooting star which is how they met and they kiss and then that's the end Forced love scene. <laughs> so the Again. love story, where I think a whole lot of whether or not you enjoy the story of FF8 hinges on if you buy the love story or not. Yeah. Um, I think if they spent more time on that love story, it could have been a lot better. Um, but again, it's still, it's still a good game. The we, problem with that is none of the other characters outside of Squall and Renoa get much development. Yeah. So if you don't like Squall or Renoa, and you don't buy the love story, then I don't think FFA works. Yeah, and that's probably why a lot of people do, didn't like it. Yeah, um, you you get a very 
precise storyline up until like Estar. Right. Uh, and then the rest of the ending just goes nuts. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people don't like Ultimicia just because it doesn't feel like she was a threatening presence the whole game because she, she worked wasn't. through Adea. Um, the, and really I Adea think, wasn't either. Yeah, that's. I liked Adea, but she's not in enough scenes even when she is still evil. Um, so it's sort of like this threatening presence that you never really have to deal with that often. Yeah, it's more like the military. Like the whole time of the game, you think the Galbanian military is the bad one. Yeah. But they were more threatening than the sorceress was. Yeah. I do like Adea's character design. I think she looks awesome. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, whenever this game came out, I think it was like in my teens. Yeah, yeah. I liked her. I, I, I liked her. <laughs> she, <laughs> I, she's cool when she's evil. And even when she's turns, I mean, when she turns back to her matron self, I think she has some really good dialogue, but mm-hmm. um, I even really liked Ultimacia too. Yeah. She, her design her, was pretty good. Yeah. Some weird hair horns, but <laughs> um, I can grab those. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's another problem. You never see what Ultimacia looks like until it's time to fight her. Yeah, it's that uh, boss swap stuff again. Yeah, uh, which Final Fantasy did a lot around this time. But, um, well, I guess they didn't really do it with Sephiroth. But No, you well, I don't know. We're going to find out here in two mo- in a couple months. Yeah, <laughs> they're introducing Sephiroth earlier in the remake. So, yep. um, another thing, they <laughs> with the promotional material, they tried to make it seem like, even if you read the instruction manual, they tried to make it seem like Squall and Laguna are two sides of the same coin. I could kind of make it seem like Laguna is going to be a big part of the story. But He's I think not. there's like, I think there's like five dream sequences in the whole game, maybe mm-hmm. six, but I think it's five and none of them are that long or, and you don't really find out what any of them meant until after they're over. And they're mm-hmm. so sporadic that it's hard to connect them together to tell a complete story. And you don't really, sort of realize why any of that is important or you know what yeah. the story even is and what's even hilarious is the fact like half the time the characters like laguna's stupid <laughs> yeah i think selfie is the only one him. that liked him yeah so um, yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else like major we need, needed to touch on i think overall i like the story but i think it does have some major uh technical issues there's some yeah. like there's some like big missing scenes in there somewhere or maybe it's just the way it's told i'm not sure it could be the way it's told because of the translation let's let's think back to this so if they would go back and remake this not a remaster a complete remake like they did with final fantasy 7 it it could be better they could flesh it out even better have all that stuff out there and be able to tell that story in a much grander scale right you'd be able to find out more details about ultimicia um, uh, sources of Dia, the army, the gardens, like you'd be able to find so much more opportunity with that kind of story. If you had that ability, like, well, the whole basis of the, the squall is dead theory is that, um, when, you know, squall is theoretically killed by a day at the end of disc one, that's when the story starts going. I mean, it's slow. It's a little slow at first, but it goes completely off the rails. Like everything in disc one sort of makes sense for the most part and is believable that realistically it could happen. That's but, why I think he's dead. I yeah. really think he's dead because his brain starts to shut down and he starts making up weird shit. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it. I don't care if he comes out. I'll drop my mic there. Um, I don't care if he <laughs> you comes feel strongly out. about this. <laughs> I do. I, I really don't care what this director said. And if he, I think he's lying out of his ass, but they really made this story and they're like, you know what? Let's just, we're going to make this. It's going to be really good. This first disc. And then he's going to die. And we're not going to tell anybody about this, but this whole rest of the story is just him making shit up in his head, trying to piece things together as his one last adventure before he technically dies. If you connect that to the ending when he sort sort of like his mind snaps because of the time compression, I mean, it sort of makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So uh, overall, I don't really buy that theory, but uh, it does have a lot of uh, points to it that sort yeah. of make it make I sense. Mean, if it's wrong, I mean, if it's wrong, that's fine. I mean, he came out and said that it was not true, but yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of proof against that. <laughs> right uh i do really I didn't, it's not true of course but i do really like the renoa is ultimacia theory because i think that theory really works and it makes both renoa and definitely ultimacia more interesting characters <laughs> uh yeah that's true unfortunately it's it's like i said not confirmed it's confirmed it's not true um there were a lot of other things that we wanted to talk about like some of the side quests like uh, shumi village uh odin and the different summons you can get but and poo poo the alien but honestly this thing has already ran like ultra long (laughs) so we might do some patreon exclusive episodes talking about these things but you know bill's overall thought about this game the game blows overall is what he says which is surprising because i don't think he felt that way going in right no he had a lot of high hopes for it i think and yeah, you know, I do too. I, I still like it. I still think it's one of my top favorite RPGs, but let's be real. That story is not that strong. I mean, Final Fantasy 15 was a much stronger story. Mm, I, I disagree with you there, but <laughs> your mouth over there. We still need to have an episode about our Final Fantasy 15 disagreements. I, I here's before we do that. I think we should go back and play it again. I wouldn't be against that considering how much content they've added. Yeah. Well, new changes and things like that. I'd be okay with going back and trying it, you know, four or five years later and, yeah. you know, seeing what we really think about it. And again, I can come back and say, oh, never mind. Eight stories way better. I was a, as you guys might know, I still play Final Fantasy Record Keeper. And part of the concept of that game is like you refight um, old bosses from throughout the Final Fantasy series. And recently it got to like the, final dungeon of 15 and there was like four three or four bosses that i didn't recognize and it was given like plot blurbs about what happened here and there and i'm like that scene didn't happen that scene didn't happen uh <laughs> so they've definitely uh, expanded on it a little bit yep so but that's that's totally unrelated to <laughs> yeah we can go back to that later on but like to, we we may go back to some of these uh theories and and other side quest stuff when some patreon stuff that we may do but at least eight is time. a complete story rich <laughs> Yes, I'll give you that. But it, <laughs> it's not no Final Fantasy Nine. Let me tell you that. That's no. way better. I think Nine Story works a lot better than Eight's because it actually makes sense. We'll get there. Yes. Um, so yeah, we could talk about this for a lot longer, but we've already yep. this episode's probably already well over two hours. So it's six. This whole entire series is like six or seven hours. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of opinions and thoughts on FF8 apparently. Yes, we do. Sorry about that, everybody. But hey, it's so, the last episode of the Golden Years, so we you guys went out with a, blank, a bang. Yeah, we did. 
So, um, like we kind of mentioned earlier, we've already recorded the ending to this review that has all our final scores, which included Bill was still included on. So we're going to cut to that now. Um, so yeah, hope you guys enjoyed our thoughts on the story of FFA. Anything else you want to say about it, Rich? Nope. Um, it's still a good RPG. Like I said, um, there's a lot of fans that really like it, not dissing the fans of this actual game um, and the love story behind it. It does have a love story. I just think it's a very strong one. Um, it still, it still works for final fantasy. Sweet. Well, cool. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys in just a minute. Yay. Or we're flipping, do some kind of, maybe we'll do time. We did time compression with this for you, Rich. We did. Holy crap. I knew you were a sorcerer. <laughs> All right. Let's flip over. I'm calling that done. Done. This review is sucker. So, um, I haven't got my spreadsheet up. <laughs> That's okay. First one is combat. Combat. I'll lead us. Go on in. So, combat for me. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to give it a solid six. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm back, guys, by the way. <laughs> Just quickly. In case yeah. you're wondering where I was for the rest of the review. For the scores. Um, combat rich gave it a six i guess i would give it a um well i mean it's a classic final fan uh you know there's the draw system i'm gonna give it a six as well if it wasn't for the draw system i would give it higher but there you go um yeah i'm gonna give it a five it's very tedious wow nice (laughs) this game's getting deep all of a sudden get low scores mechanics i'll go first on the mechanics of this you know it did have some good solid like um, I'm sorry, not solid, but definitely uh, inter- interesting types of mechanics to it. You know, with the junction system, leveling. Uh, for ingenuity, I'm going to give it a seven. Okay, that's fair, I think. Yeah, I'm tempted to give it a low score on mechanics too. Um, as I said on part two of the review, it's kind of like a beautiful disaster, like lots of good ideas implemented poorly. Um so because I think I'll agree with you, Rich, that seven's probably about accurate if everything had been implemented a little bit better, in particular the junction system, I would probably give it like a, a nine or ten. So Yeah. I mean oh. the monsters leveling up with you is a bunch of bull. <laughs> True. Oh uh, yeah, so. well I would kind of consider that under the combat. I'm gonna give mechanics an eight. Okay. I think overall the, the game works well. <laughs> and like Well, yeah, it does menu system is in-depth enough to make it interesting um but yeah the combat is what lets that side of things down really just boring draw 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 20 minutes yeah so story um with it being kind of confusing in different parts but not letting the 
the player know certain things. I get it, part of the suspense on it. Um, I did like it. I'm going to give it an eight only because it did have some interesting, you know, aha moments to it. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to give it that high of a score, but aside from all the fever dream aspects and a lot of things not making sense and a lot of the lore that's essential to understanding the story being buried in hidden menus. Um, I almost want to give it a six, but I'll be a little nicer and give it a seven because I mean, I used to love this story when I was a kid. So as long as you don't spend too much time really thinking about it, it works. I think (laughs) I'm going to give it a four. Yikes. Damn. I just think it's so poorly executed. Like, off the back of Grandia, I'm just like, I get that. I'm just like, yeah, this, this, like, you know, it doesn't get good until after the, the battle of the gardens. And that's where it's kind of enjoyable, but it's like too little, too late, really. I've had to sit through the first thirty hours of bull crap. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm the opposite. I think that the first disc story is pretty good, and then it falls off a cliff until later in the game. So I just, it's just like, yeah, but everyone's so dumb. It's true. So dumb. I like it. So uh, graphics, you know, with it being that, a step up from Final Fantasy VII where they try to make it realistic, uh, designs, I'm going to give it a seven. This is really hard for me because today it mostly looks like shit. Um, Assuming we're talking about the OG version. (laughs) But it did look a lot better than seven. And I remember at the time being very impressed by the graphics. So I'll give it... I'll give it an eight. There's lots of FMVs and those still look really cool. And the backgrounds are all great. It's just the character models that need help. Yes. See, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to say a 10. Wow. This was basically the best looking game I'd ever played at the time. Nice. (laughs) Back in 1999, this blew me away. So yeah, 10. Hmm. Hmm. Well, there weren't a whole lot of games that looked as good as it did at the time. You're right. Exactly. Um, Music, if I... If I may go first, sure. <laughs> um, I'm going to give music a eight. Nice. It's a I'll good give tri- it a seven. I've given it higher, but the military thing really pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, there are a few tracks that are just god awful, but there are also a lot of really amazing tracks. Definitely uh, some of the best in the series. Yeah, I think that um, the the mute the soundtrack gets a lot of hate. I don't, I don't really get. I mean, like I said, yeah, there are some terrible ones, but anyway, I'll give it a also give it an eight. Not anywhere close to the best Final Fantasy soundtrack, but it's a great soundtrack for the most part. So as for my overall feel of the game, um, I'm going to give it a eight. I think it left a good taste in the mouth once you got to the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with that too. Yeah, the the end bits of the game are just good, so it's okay there. Right, it and tied um, it all together pretty good. And again, very sorry, guys, but I'm gonna have to run off again. And leave leave the rest of the this up to you guys. Okay, <laughs> sorry, we'll Bill. do it. All right, guys, thanks, thanks, thanks for having me again. Yeah, <laughs> on, on my episode, which I'm now bowing out. Say your farewell to <laughs> the golden. You're gonna have to say uh, say your final boss score. What do you think, real quick? Oh, final boss score. Oh, um, oh, she's good. Uh, she's a seventy-five. Sweet, awesome. All right, bye, bye, Bill. Bye, bye, guys. <laughs> Uh, for my overall feel, I will give it. Is this our overall feelings of the game or the? the th- yes. Okay. Overall I always get confused about this category. No. Um, I'll give it. I'll give it a 
eight as well. So we all three gave it. Okay. I thought about giving it a uh, a seven, but I still love this now, game. So yeah, it's still pretty good. Now what we'll do is uh, at the end of this, we will tweet out the official score of the game that we do on here uh, in the RPG After Years. Um, the final boss score, by the way, for you, Scott. Oh, sorry. This is the the final boss like what you thought was it good was it crap was it you know just the weirdest thing ever i'm gonna give it honestly i did not like it i'll give it a 60 you didn't like it no i didn't why i just didn't <laughs> i mean just constantly like different boss fight after boss fight after boss fight right after one after another i hate that so huh. that's yeah it's interesting because uh i think it is one of the best final bosses in the series um okay <laughs> multiple form changes there's badass music going through all four phases of the fight or five phases depending on how you look at it but right. <laughs> it is a little weird with the whole um not being able to control who your party is so i will take some points away for that um but i'll give it an 88 nice okay awesome so all right so like i said we will tweet those out to you guys and we'll also put it in the discord channel uh, once we have the official ruling on that. Is that because you don't know how to do math still, Rich? Nope. Can't do a math. Uh, I don't understand that. I know That's... how to do it now. Oh, you know how to do yeah. Okay, never mind then. I thought maybe Bill was going to do all that. So the total, your total was a 43 out of 60. Nice. Um, Not too bad. My total, let me add up here. Uh, seven, seven. I gave it a lot of sevens and eights. Uh, I gave it a 44 out of 60. Okay. And Bill, man, Rich, math is hard. I told you. Uh, Bill, let's see. Five for combat, eight for mechanics, four for story, 10 for graphics, eight for music, eight for overall feel. So he gave it a 43 out of 60. We were, so we all basically gave it about the same rating. So on what, so what's the percentage? Let's well, a 43 out of 60. That's a, um, we, that would be a, he gave it a 71.6%. So that's not bad. I mean, the game itself overall is a good game. It just has a lot of different quirks to it that we, you know, just couldn't get past. I mean, obviously there's holes, um, if you look back to what they're doing with the Final Fantasy VII remake, where they came out and said, like, we're going to make this into three different discs, three parts. You could easily do that with the Final Fantasy VIII game. You could do that with a lot of those games. Like, to expand really on all the lore, all the, you know, one-off stuff, the card game. Like, you could really pull this game out to be a much bigger beast than it actually is but they had to condense it i know because the limitations of the playstation one right so. um so i've got the final rpg golden year score here Ooh. it is a 72.22 percent yeah i think so it's not bad i think that's about right for ff8 yeah i mean i know there's people out there that probably dog the crap out of it yeah but and 72 is still not a bad score like that's a good game no. um so yeah no Okay. I'm sure we're going to run across some RPG games that are like in the low 40s. Let's just be real. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't already. Yeah, we have, <laughs> I think. So, um, 
yeah, that's our FF8 review. I hope that you guys all enjoyed. Uh, we're sorry that Bill had family duties to attend to. I don't know what that's all about. Jeez. Um, so yeah, like I, we said before, the After Years is relaunching next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about, I think we're going to be talking about uh, our each of our favorite Golden Years game and each of our favorite After Years game. And Ooh. kind of sort of pit those against each other and kind of go back and forth on which is the best game out of both eras. Can, can you guess what mine's going to be? Uh, My Golden Years game? Final Fantasy X, right? Eh, no. <laughs> you can burn it hell, sir. <laughs> Not going to happen. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know what yours is going to be, but don't say it yet. I'm not going to say it. Don't worry. I got to think in my head because I got a couple of my brain now that are right. pinned against each other. So it's destiny too, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, our show account is at RPG years. You can find me at the Scott spot and you can find rich at hail blue one, five, six, nine. And bill is at Matunica as always. And you could also find Jay who's not here this week. Cause he had a migraine at jd hizzle no jd hilton right i, I thought it was hizzle oh yeah oh my god is, we're terrible it is hizzle jd hizzle uh, rate and review us on itunes every review helps the show get more out there and check out the yes. patreon there's lots of awesome new benefits that are out there now yeah so with that i think that covers all of our um new stuff right um so yeah all of our plugs and shit Yes. So we have plugs. Rich, do you want to say goodbye to the golden years? You know, it's been a great journey for the golden years. Um, you know, about a year and a half of us doing this. Um, we just, like I said, we decided a few things needed to change. We made it happen. I'm excited for it. You know, I love the guys that I work with on this stuff. So it's going to be a fun time. I hope you guys enjoy this. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, you know, a main host until recently, but you know, I listened to most episodes and have been in the slack with you guys since day yeah. zero. So uh, I sort of feel like a strange bittersweetness to it as well, but yeah, we're entering into new era. The after years is going to be amaze balls. So I hope you guys continue yes. to enjoy it. We're all still here. Nobody's really going away. The golden years games will continue to be played. Uh, yep. So yeah, that's going to do it for our FF8 review. Thanks for sticking out through all three parts, everybody. And so I guess we will sign off with that. We'll see you next week for episode one of the After Years. Until then, I'm Scott. And I'm Rich. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening. RPG The Golden Years is produced by Bill and Rich. You can find them on Twitter at RPG Years. You can also contact Bill at Matunica and Rich at Hailu1569. You can also find them on Patreon by searching RPG Golden Years. And, as always, please show these gentlemen some love by rating and reviewing their show wherever you receive your podcast feed. And now is the time that our heroic duo check in at the local inn to replenish their HP. Good night, gentlemen.
This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.